Hey guys, uh, Randy here. Before we start the show, I really wanted to take a second and talk about uh, I Am The Highway, the Chris Cornell tribute uh, show that happened a couple days ago. Um, and uh, I just thought that overall it was such a, a warm uh, tribute to Chris, who we may have lost a year and a half ago, but it feels like yesterday uh, that he was still with us. And I think a lot of people are still really grieving his loss um and it it hit home it, it hurt a lot of people i think it hurt a lot of people in the music industry it hurt a lot of entertainers and hurt hurt the fans i think a lot of he was he was very young he was still in his 50s and um you know to this day it's you know it out of all the celebrity deaths we've had i i've always looked back at cornell and I, i'm still saying like i can't believe he's not with us anymore he was just such a a strong presence uh on stage just a strong presence as a music personality that um it's almost impossible to understand why all of this happened and i think that this was all brought together for people like us that are in this situation that are still grieving uh chris a lot of the people involved with this, you know, including Stone and Matt and Jeff, um, you know, and then people from the other side of the spectrum for like Brandy Carlisle, uh, Miley Cyrus, Adam Levine, uh, you know, all different types of musicians that really were hit hard by Cornell's death uh, are still, they're still dealing with it. And I think it was a time that, everybody come together and really kind of express and share their love for for him and i thought that it was just uh a beautiful time to do it and and such a great setting in the uh, los angeles forum um with an awesome set of stars uh you know real real quick some of the people that were there like i said miley cyrus and adam levine and uh, fiona apple uh, Josh Homme of Queens of the Stone Age. Um, and then you have your cast of characters that you kind of expect, uh, you know, Stone, Jeff, and, and Matt, and uh, Kim and uh, from Soundgarden, and uh, Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters played a couple songs. Metallica was there. Uh, Brad and Tom Morello from Audio Slave were there. Uh, and, I mean... I think if I were to pick out a couple of songs, if you didn't get a chance to live stream the show, and thank you for everybody that uh, d did go out and live stream it. Uh, it was, you know, I loved it from the East Coast, and thank you that you did it. Uh, for anybody that didn't watch it on the live stream, I would say go out there and get a chance to listen to uh, Adam Levine and Stone doing Seasons. Uh, get a chance to listen to Brandon Carlisle and... Chris Singleton doing, uh, Chris Stapleton, I'm sorry, doing uh, Hunger Strike. Listen to the whole Temple of the Dog set if you can. Uh, got some little guests in there as well, like Brendan O'Brien and uh, Josh Freese, who's a phenomenal drummer for Perfect Circle, uh, as well as a former Pearl Jam drummer, Matt Chamberlain, was there. So, you know, I check out... What they did, uh, some of Audio Slave stuff was awesome, including uh, uh, Show Me How to Live, which uh, Dave Grohl joined him for. Uh, even the Melvin set early, 
doing Spoonman was was phenomenal. So if you haven't checked it out yet, I you know definitely go out there. There's probably stuff on YouTube. There's probably stuff on the Pearl Jam pages uh, to go out and listen to. And um, again, just a really really nice tribute for. Uh, somebody that we're still grieving to this day and uh, at some point we do have plans uh, in May to talk about Chris at at fuller length when it comes to the anniversary the two-year anniversary so um, we'll do that but until then um, you know go out and check out uh, some of these clips that are online and then really appreciate uh, Chris Cornell for the musician that he is and and we love him and miss him still to this day so uh without further ado welcome to live on four legs and here's the show and away we go you're listening to live on four legs the live pearl jam podcast experience featuring mr stone gossip Fucking camera in the truck. Everybody, once again, welcome to the Live on Four Legs Live Pearl Jam Podcast Experience, and you're listening to episode 19. Today, it is featuring Camden, night one of 2003, Camden, New Jersey, which is kind of like Philadelphia, kind of New Jersey. It's kind of somewhere in the middle. We'll, we'll get to the surroundings in a second, but uh, let's introduce your host. I'm Randy. That's Matt there on the other side. What's up? And uh, yeah, so what are you? Uh, how you feeling about this show today, Matt? Uh, well, from experience, I'd much rather be in Philly than Camden. <laughs> That's okay. That was. Um, I think you you had teased it on oh, the my, Patreon episode. Yeah, my, your, my Camden your, story. Your Camden story. So <laughs> yeah. might as well get that out of the way. Oh, uh, it's short and sweet. Um, right, right there uh, on the river is. The Camden Aquarium, which is really nice, uh, really cool, uh, and they have weddings. So a couple of years ago, my wedding band uh, made the trip down there, and we did a wedding. It's right across the river from from Philly, but the the office had told us uh, that Camden is not the best city to be in. So basically, it's one of those places if you get stuck at a red light. You should probably just go through the red light because the more you sit there, the more of a target you become. And, you know, there's a bit of an exaggeration there or what you think is an exaggeration. So we kind of laugh it off. and We're like, all right. Uh, the aquarium, the grounds over there, it's really nice, uh, beautiful, good shot of the city. But going home, I had the 
one of the singers with me in my car and we got stuck at a red light and before we know it the f a few what we thought were probably homeless gentlemen came up and started banging on the windows of my car oh no and uh, i gave a quick left look right look and i took off right through that right light as fast <laughs> as i could <laughs> so i wasn't expecting to actually have to do it but i i did it wow yeah that's uh that's scary and i i think uh one of the posts that that i had put out there uh i had somebody had kind of said something about camden not being the best and i followed up and i was like yeah i've i've, I've heard bad things and then a couple other people said ah camden's not so bad camden's not so bad and then one person said well considering it's the first and last time i've ever saw a real live prostitute <laughs> Camden's probably not that great. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's, um, I've never been, but, uh, sometime this week I should be going to Philadelphia, uh, for like less than two hours. And if I have to drive through Camden, I'll make sure not to stop. There's a way to go where you don't have to. Okay. I'll, I hope, I hope ways takes me that way. Cause, uh, yeah, I, in and out. I want to, I want to be in and out of there real quick. And it's nothing to do with the place it has to do with, uh, it being a three and a half hour drive. Right. Is, is a lot. So, all right. Camden is where the location is today. Yes. I know we're doing a, another East coast show. Uh, I mean, next week we're going to do something that's on the East Coast, but it's not, it can't be considered an East Coast show. So, you know, I know we've done a lot of East Coast and we've done a lot of Chicago area uh, thus far, but that's one of the things that we're very cognizant of. We're cognizant of trying to get all different locations and all different walks of life in there. I think, uh, you know, get a couple more European shows where you've only done two or three European shows. I don't know how much, how many it's been at this point, but we haven't done an England show yet. We haven't done an Ireland show yet. We haven't done a France show yet. Uh, so all of those are up for grabs. And honestly, like, you know, as we say, every single episode, it, it's easiest if you guys help us out and, you know, give us some su suggestions for shows in those kind of places. Uh, I know, most of our fan base is probably American, but we do have some overseas guys as well. So I, again, we're, we are open for any ideas and, uh, you know, I, I think that getting out of the United States comfort zone is a good thing to do, um, more than every now and again so yeah you know i agree, it, I agree. And, and you know what it's it's served us pretty well so far i mean we've gotten some really good shows uh that people have suggested absolutely yeah you know, absolutely. i always look forward to you know emails coming in like oh that's a, i didn't think about that show that's a good i didn't think about that place but just look at grand rapids last week that was an amazing show and i would have never have thought of it Unsuspect, just you would have never guessed that Grand Rapids would have had that kind of show with, with those kind of stories. Um, that's something that we can't get from just looking through set lists. You know, it's it's the 
I think I mentioned it last week. It's the old box score thing for baseball. You uh, you don't know what kind of special things happen in a game just by looking at a box score. You just know a guy went three for four with two RBIs. Uh, you know, you don't know that you know there was a fight in the game or uh, uh, I don't know a fan could have ran on the field that that's why you have to watch the games and kind of get a feel for for what they are so that that's kind of that's kind of the same deal here where you know we haven't done a show that either of us have been to in, in quite a while and we're kind of spreading them out a little bit so we don't uh you know get them all in at once but that's why uh we always ask for your help and your suggestions and um look and we're very open to them i think it's just uh filling in for time now and seeing when things would work and i i again i i stress that uh you know if you would like to come on as a guest donate to our patreon account and uh you know that that helps us out a lot too because you know as you saw Bradley last week, uh, John Farrar has been another one. Steve has been another one that just guys that have come on, uh, Dave from Live Footsteps, guys that have come on, come on the show to talk either about their experiences or uh, with Dave just talking about livefootsteps.org in general. Um, those shows have just been phenomenal and the most fun that we could ever have just with talking with another voice and and seeing from another different perspective. It helps out, us out a lot. It helps us learn, and it also helps us uh, kind of teach and become an authority on the subject. So yeah. those, you know, uh, even if coming on a podcast isn't something that you're necessarily comfortable with, uh, you know, feel free, donate to our Patreon account, and we will – reward you with an episode of your choosing but even even so we're always up to suggestions we've done episodes without anybody donating to patreon before so we're always 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 up for suggestions it's just that if you do donate to patreon we do give you exclusive episodes so which we haven't talked about the next episode yet but uh i don't know maybe we'll try to get something in for february yeah, I think that's a good idea. I think that's a good idea. Yeah, for sure. I also also wanted to give a quick. I think I saw on Facebook uh, that it was just Dave's birthday this week. Uh, by the time oh. by the time this episode comes out, it'll be a few days past. But uh, big big uh, live on four legs birthday shout out to Dave. Keep up happy the, birthday, happy Dave. birthday. Keep up the good yeah. work. Yeah, keep our stats uh, alive, which agreed. which keeps our podcast alive. <laughs> I've actually look. I I've become. I've become that guy. I, I don't want to become that guy, but I've I've kind of become that guy that on some of the Pearl Jam Facebook groups. Now, look, the people that are on the Facebook group sometimes they're not as tuned in as you think that everybody in these groups would be. So somebody's asking, where can I find a set list for something? And somebody will say, oh, just go to setlist.fm. No, I always say. Stop supporting Setlist FM. They're wrong most of the time. They don't have the same kind of stats that uh, LifeFootsteps.org has. Go and support your fellow Pearl Jam fan that's doing this out of the labor of love. I can't stress it enough. Go support your own kind. Stop supporting Setlist FM. You know, that, that's... 
I mean, do what you got to do when you got to do it. Because I, for some little things, I do use Setlist FM. Uh, but they're very, very little things. Um, mostly 95% of the time I am using livefootsteps.org. So that's, uh, I just try and stress to every single person that out there that's that's trying to share Setlist FM Setlist that, you know, you're you're not supporting a a fellow Pearl Jam fan when you do that you're supporting another entity that has nothing to do with us so yeah I'll, I'll use setlist fm as like a cross reference sometimes if i have to yeah yeah the one or, the one or thing if i'm that, looking up a set for a not pearl jam <laughs> you don't need it well, for yeah, pearl jam you don't need it for pearl jam yeah exa- exactly i think that's the only thing that i do for pearl jam on setlist fm is i go in i cross reference i see uh, if they had mentioned anything that had been crossed off or moved from a set. Right. That's the, that's the only thing that they'll have on there, which I'll convince Dave to try and go through and, and, and make notes on, on that. But that, that, that's a huge job. So I don't, I don't expect that to happen, but you know, always up for a discussion. Um, let's get into kind of talking about, not just Camden, but more about 2003 and what was going on during that time. Uh, the band is supporting their seventh studio album, Riot Act, on what has so far been one of their most memorable tours or tour years to date, I, I would say. Uh, there's so much that that happened during this time period that... Um, Everybody kind of goes back to a lot of these shows, and they, and they said this was the most fun I've ever had on a Pearl Jam show, or most surprised I've ever been on a Pearl Jam show. So, um, and, and I think a lot of them go down in history as some of the greatest bootlegs of all time. And I'll mention them in a second. I just get some of the stories out of the way here. Uh, obviously, it was very political during that time, which you know, ta-da, we're here today in 2019, and it's still political um in a different in a much much different way uh there was a war going on back then that that pearl jam was not a fan of and a lot of people weren't a fan of and um but there were some people that did support it and it was it was a rocky time with with 9-11 and people were very uh they were very sensitive to anything insulting this country or this country's leader. Uh, there were some people out there that that really were were bothered by it, and you know, um, I think it was 2006 that Pearl Jam played a show. Uh, I want to say it was some festival show that was airing live on um, on cable or something, some a- uh, access somewhere. I think it had to do with AT and T, and AT and T censored them singing George Bush must go uh, during the hey-ho, let's go part of uh, of the daughter tag. And that became a big deal because they, they came out with a statement. They said, I couldn't believe that um, they would actually censor free speech like that. Um, and, you know, it's also at a time where the Dixie Chicks, you know, America's sweethearts, uh, came out and and uh, and vehemently disagreed with with uh, George W. Bush and what was going on and and being you know 
from Texas and uh, being a country act, uh, they were they were banned from a lot of radio stations. Not, and, not only that, but people were actually, literally looking to murder them. Yeah, people were looking to threats. murder the Dixie Chicks. It was a very sensitive time. Freedom of speech is just look. I I don't know if. Somebody from that side can say, well, what they're saying is hate speech. So how is that different from hate speech that's going on today? I, I, I don't see there's a major difference that I don't that I can see. And I think most people can see. But I wonder if they consider that offensive hate speech to be the same kind of hate speech that we see from. Uh, you know, nationalist groups that are out there today. I, I don't want to get too deep into it, but uh, yeah, I, you know. I, I don't want to get into the hate speech that comes from our own president either. But you know, we won't get too deep into it, as you said. <laughs> no, but um, it is nice that uh, you know, he he's very very thoughtful man to to buy a whole football team fast food. For a very elegant dinner. You know, uh, it's really amazing when you see uh, Abraham Lincoln's silver gravy balls being <laughs> being used to hold the uh, tangy barbecue sauce packets from McDonald's. It's, it's a fantastic <laughs> time we're living in. The paper cups with the White House seal White on White House it seal with, filled with, with the French fries, right? Oh, my goodness. I don't, you just... know, and of course, yeah. The whole government shutdown because it, it, it has, he doesn't have any uh, any hotels or golf courses that could have catered, right? Nope, just uh, I I R IRS, I uh, R S fast food. Yeah, that's all it is. I I can't believe that we lived through Bush and were able to talk about it in this fashion that we're not even we're almost not even disgusted by it anymore. Because of what's going on, so much has so much has changed in a different way. It feels like I don't know. It, everybody was against the war, and everybody was against. Uh, you know, everybody thought that George W. Bush wasn't fit to be president, but he wasn't colluding with Russia. <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> all right, I, look. I know there's all walks of life out there, and I know there are people that aren't even from the U.S. that don't even give a rat's ass. Uh, that are listening to this, but you know, I sometimes it happens, and we're in a very weird, weird time. You know, these next two years and the last two years, it's a very weird time in this country, especially with the shutdown going on right now. It's a disaster. It's probably not going to end for a really long time. And and no matter where you are in the spectrum with this, whether you support a wall, you're against a wall, you're you know, you think that that he has has ties to Russia or you don't it's a mess no matter how you slice it and it was a mess back then as well um but basically what this all why I'm mentioning this is because of uh the band's first show in the US or early early on uh, on that first US leg in April of 2003 they played Bush Leaguer in front of a crowd at the Pepsi Center in Denver and Eddie decided to walk out on stage uh, wearing a mask 
of George W. Bush, and he was met with a lot of boos. And granted, this was during the second encore, but they said a lot of people have had left in protest, which I think that's, from what I read, Eddie said that could have been because it was the end of the show and they wanted to get going anyway. You know, if they played it fifth song in, would all those people leave? Probably not. It would have been an interesting thing to test out. I mean, there's no way to test it out, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I, I would have liked to have seen the reaction if that was earlier on in the set. Right, right. I think I, I would say a lot of people left because I think I think CSNY did the same thing when, when they came back, I don't know, a handful of years ago. Same, same thing. Did it in, I think it was Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, a whole bunch of people... They did it for a DVD. They were being interviewed, uh, and they were like, "I just want to see music. I don't care about this political bullshit." And never, you know, a lot of the crowd had left uh, after they were playing protest songs. So, uh, but the big thing that one of the columns, the articles about this uh, this show said was that he took George W. Bush's mask and impaled the head on the mic stand making it look like he impaled George W. Bush's head. No, he was placing which it is, on the mic stand. Which is so not true. He, he placed it on top of the mic stand. Uh, it just insane that, that that could be thought of in that way and that somebody decided to paint that picture and tell that story. And, and of course, right-wing uh, news media got all over it. And, you know, whatever, honestly. Which is funny because you know why he wore the mask and went out there and wore the mask. It was it was a joke. It was they have those specific feelings against George Bush. So even if he had impaled the mask on the microphone stand, what difference would it have made uh, made? You, you know why he was doing it anyway. Is it even right. that big of a deal at that point? You know, you know what well, I mean? Um, people are snowflakes, Matt. It's true. People are snowflakes, right? Like, uh, you know, we want, you know, we want certain things that make, make us look like snowflakes. The liberals look like snowflakes, but you know, there are a lot of people are sensitive about a lot of different things. You're sensitive about a flag. You're sensitive about a president and there are other things to that other people are sensitive about. And I, and I empathize with, you know, just being sensitive about things because I'm sensitive about things. So I understand that people can be sensitive about things. But what I don't understand is when somebody says, you can be sensitive about this, but you can't be sensitive about the other thing, whatever it may be. Right. So, um, there, that was the first instance of this, and the second instance came a couple weeks later at Nassau Coliseum in a, a blue state, mind you, even though Long Island is not really uh, very blue at all. Um, uh, the crowd revolted. He did the same thing, uh, you know, wore the mask, and the crowd revolted in a much different way uh, because they are very classy Long Islanders. They decided to hurl quarters at the stage. Yeah, that happened. <laughs> so that caused the band to end their set early. I think they had a couple more songs 
left like four or five more songs left. They decided to to do two and call on a night. So, uh, you you know, the band shouldn't be fearing for their safety just because you don't like a couple things they say. And there's the old story about McCready saying that somebody held up his firefighter badge, you know, and I, I don't like, you know, there's lots of things to be sensitive about, but man, that, that was a very sensitive time for, I think people now should look at the people that are sensitive now and see what they were being sensitive about back then and understand that and have a little empathy for people that are, are being sensitive about certain things now. Cause it's, it's kind of ridiculous that, you know, the tides are almost turned that some, some people were sensitive and now that aren't sensitive back then or, or vice versa. It's just very weird how, how it's all changed. But, um, you can kind of see a little bit of that, uh, ignorance there where you are are sensitive about something because just because they don't agree with what's going on doesn't mean there's a correlation between them disagreeing with the war and how they feel about first responders just because they disagree with the war doesn't mean that they have disrespect for someone like a fireman or a police officer which i'm sure i'm sure they respect immensely uh which is the case for i i think many of us you know uh, just because you know we we disagree with something going on overseas, all of a sudden we hate we hate uh, uh, our the armed troops. forces and the troops. Yeah, that, let's set the record straight. That is exactly the opposite of of. Uh, we want them protected. Yeah, we want them protected. That's that's you know we want everybody to be safe and um, and we want the if we're gonna go to war with somebody, we have to go war for the right reasons and I, I think a lot of people realized back then that we weren't going to war uh, for the right reasons with the right country uh, and this isn't a politics con- uh, yeah, podcast so we'll, uh, we'll save that conversation for you know the blue and red show with, with Matt and Randy <laughs> I don't know um, but Jeff did say something really interesting that if they wouldn't have wrote the song if they didn't want people to react to it, if they didn't feel strongly about it. So he didn't see, he didn't see a problem with the whole thing. He thought that people should be reacting to something like this. So yeah, absolutely. I don't see a problem with it either. Uh, on both sides. If you don't like it, that's your opinion. If you like it, that's your opinion too. It's, it's about, it's about a reaction. And that, that Nassau Coliseum show, Ed did talk afterwards and he said, this is a good thing to have a conversation about this and to discuss and, and outwardly say that you don't approve that it's good to discuss these things. I think that's something that discussion in politics gets lost nowadays because it's easy to make a statement and then go away for a really long time. We're not having as many conversations in person as we used to have Uh, Mm -hmm. a lot of our, you know, if if you want to have a political conversation, you can go online and and you can make yourself feel right. That's all you got to do is is you make a statement and you feel like you're right about it. And you don't even have to see the res- the hundred responses that might say you're wrong. Yep. Uh, you can still feel right about it. We we have a friend who 
he gets ganged up on every time he likes to use his uh, Hillary should go to jail memes or what, whatever. Um, but he continues to to think how he thinks, even though people are are always trying to make him look either look the other way or suggest to him that maybe you know how he's thinking isn't necessarily how things should be done but he still he still thinks the way he thinks you can't you can't quite change people the way that you expect change to happen that's not how change happens change happens through the heart so uh and voting and voting go vote 100% <laughs> yeah so if you don't if you don't like that person go vote against him um, all right, so those are low points in a way, but you can say that they do kind of define the year 2003, but there are certainly high points that have more to do with the band and less to do with politics, and the first one I want to bring up is a state college show in May or June from that year where they played 36 or 37 songs over the course of about almost four hours. It was about three hours and 40 minutes or so. And it's a show that I think we should definitely dive into at some point and maybe we'll do it kind of on the anniversary. It's a weird, it's not like a 20 year anniversary or anything this year, but it's, it's a show that's extremely popular. So I think we should get to it at some point. Um, but, uh, it's historic and that's something that happened this year. And, Add on that the show two shows before this Camden show uh, were part of the Mansfield uh, triple threat experiment where they attempted to play all 100 plus of their songs over a three night period. Um, and they ended up doing it wasn't three shows in a row in Mansfield. They ended up going back to Mansfield after those garden shows that were after the Camden shows. So that's. Uh, Camden's kind of sandwiched in between a really interesting time, the Mansfield, and then right after Camden is the Live at the Garden DVD. So this is this is a really popular time in the history of this band and the touring history of this band, and this is right smack dab in the middle of it where they're really they toured a whole ton this year, and uh, I think. I always kind of go back to Riot, the Riot Act tour, and I sort of think that they they changed their their own game, where people that didn't necessarily follow the band started following them because of these shows, and people that necessarily weren't going out and trying to get tickets to even see them once were looking to go get tickets to go and see the band. Uh, yeah, I agree. This is this kind of early, middle part of the decade here was incredibly uh, aggressive for them for a lot of reasons. Shows, DVDs, uh, uh, just a, a tremendous touring schedule. But you're right with, with The Game Changer. It was a, it was a personality switch album-wise. It was sort of the same kind of personality switch show-wise uh, for the band and for the crowds. The crowds were getting now this real spectacle of a show and shows were becoming increasingly more difficult to get into and 
it had been a few years leading up to this and and this aggressive part of the 2000s is what i think really solidified what we get today where it's this uh, it's this event it had always been an event but this was the i feel like a culmination almost yeah, that's a really good way to put it. That uh, Pearl Jam shows turn from concerts to events where um, it wasn't just going to one show that made your summer. It was going to a group of shows, uh, a week, a week's worth of East Coast shows. I mean, how many people were out there that went to all three Mansfield shows, both Camden shows and both Garden shows? Uh like that's an incredible stretch right there yeah. of just great, great stuff that you don't really have to travel too far in order to get to. And, you know, if you wanted to, if you lived in New York, especially you can drive home and be home at a reasonable time after every show. So it's, you know, that's uh look, that's kind of where the band, I, I think it was a real high point in the band. And I think that, um, I think that they were, they had always tried to to raise the bar with their live game, and I, I I think this was either at its highest point or at the point where it was rising to new levels that would rise to different levels later. So I you know I think that you know the last ten years or so have been completely different. Uh you know, than, than 2003, but different doesn't mean better. doesn't mean worse. It, it just means, you know, they, they've, they've experimented with different things, but I feel like maybe this was the first year that they experimented. And one of the, one of the things that kind of you br- brings people back is there's four songs that I have here that on this tour were played for the first time since the mid nineties, uh, deep, Resurrected after a 213 show absence uh, from 95. Glorified G after 188 shows. Uh, Satan's Bed, 220 shows. And the most incredible one to me, which is the uh, most common of these four nowadays, is that Why Go missed 257 shows in a row before they played it on the 2003 tour. That's crazy to think about incredible now you're you're gonna get why go if you go to two shows in a row you're getting why go one of them it's like next to a guarantee so i mean for people that had been going to to see them for all these years and i guess sort of you know if you go and see another band you sort of get resigned to the fact that okay they have and i'll bring up the chili peppers because it's a really good comparison uh, they sort of have these hits and they have a new album that they're trying to promote and um, they have a lot of things going on, so they have to get a good mix. However, those deep cuts uh, and popular songs amongst the fans and ones that they might like that are on either Blood Sugar Sex Magic or Californication, whatever, aren't getting touched live anymore and you just sort of write them off. Uh, I think people might have been doing that with Pearl Jam for a real a while, and maybe this was the tour where people said, "Oh, literally anything can happen now. There's no song that that is off the table. 
yeah. anymore. Yeah, for sure. It's funny you bring up the Chili Peppers. They just played in uh, California, I think it was. They they did some kind of... Like of course a, they like, played like California. A, yeah. Nine, 900 of their songs <laughs> are about California. I, I think it was California. They did like one of the Palladium shows. I think it was for something with some other bands. They pulled out Emmett Remus, which was weird, <laughs> which I was super jealous that I haven't seen Emmett Remus since... Probably Jones Beach, nineteen ninety nine. If I even saw it there, but nice little uh, Pearl Jam swing they did there. Like, let's let's go into it. Let's go into a deep track. What about porcelain? Have they have they done porcelain in the last ten years? Uh, I I don't even care to find out. Uh, just imagine opening up a show with that. Like that's their <laughs> that's their slow burn, right? Their slow burn open. Yeah. Oh boy. Uh. That's a good segue because we have a slow burn open to open this show. Uh, it is the f- a live on four legs debut for this song, and don't know when we're going to cover it again. So what does that mean? It means you're going to hear it. So the opening track off of the 2000 and technically 2002, but the 2003 tour album Riot Act. Uh, here is Can't Keep. said before this is um this is their slow burn to start and this song doesn't really have much of a live presence outside of this tour it's only been played 25 times in total last time they played it came back in 2014 and it's not a very common song to hear live but they do it justice here as an opener and especially for touring the album i think a lot of people uh you're not you you usually don't skip the first song so like i understand if people were a little thrown back by why pendulum which people might have thought was more of a deep track off of lightning bolt got that opener spot every single night um i didn't realize how good of a, a song pendulum was on the album but once i saw it live i'm like okay all right this makes sense why they're doing it but uh, I think it does make sense to open with an album opener. It's kind of, it it shows that you're touring for an album. Uh, yeah, I loved this. Uh, I I don't even consider this like a slow open. I don't consider it a fast open. I think it's a whole different feel to an opening. It's kind of jammy. It's choppy and syncopated. And 
the chorus has that really cool like you know the when he's when he's singing you can't keep it it's it holds and it's got this vocal build that builds around the the the, the song and i think it works really well for an opener Plus, I thought Stone's acoustic guitar on it sounded fantastic. I agree. Everything about the song, I think the performance sounded really good. And uh, one of the things I was very surprised about, um, you know, the album being out for seven months or so, I think it came out really late, uh, 2002, I want to say November. I think it was like November, yeah. Yeah, um, because I remember I bought it that year, on Black Friday, I bought like 20 CDs that day because of some discount or something like that. And uh, that ended up being one of them. And that was kind of one of the ones on the bottom of the list that I didn't get get to until way later. Yeah. So yeah, I thought it was like uh, November 1st or 2nd. So Black Friday would have you would have definitely would have had it by then. Yeah, no, I, de- I definitely got it on Black Friday. Um, I don't you know, the crowd was really good for this. And I think that for an opener now, I don't feel it's because it's fresh at the time and it's, it's the opener for an album and everything like that. But I don't think that you open with it nowadays and it's going to elicit the same kind of reaction that, uh, release oceans, long road, uh, hard to imagine those songs, uh, elicit nowadays. I think it's, it's kind of, I don't know if it's marker in the sand, like where it's kind of, you know, you're not sure how to follow it. You're not sure how to, uh, segue into it, but it's, it's definitely a hard song to place in a set if it's not an opener. Um, I totally agree. I would be very excited for it because I, I like it and I thought hearing it as an opener was spectacular. I think people might like it a lot, um, maybe for the surprise factor. Um, I don't know if it would hold their interest as much as one of the other songs you mentioned because I, I, I don't know if people are getting into a habit like the band is getting into a habit. So... I think people like the surprise factor, but will it hold their attention? I, I, for, for me personally, a song like this would absolutely hold my attention, and I'd be all for it. But I'm glad you say it's weird to place, because it's very weird to place, because um, I hated the transition into Brain of Jay. I think it's, it's a little strange. It didn't feel natural. I, you know what I wrote? I wrote Brain of Jay too soon. I thought it was, I thought it was weird. Uh, I, thought the, I, thought the, I thought the song sounded good, but I, thought, uh, I, I didn't think it felt natural. Yeah, it, it's a little bit of a strange transition considering that they are two totally different sides of the spectrum, but um, I think it's fine considering that Can't Keep is kind of on its own island. Oh, it, um, it absolutely is. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, a, it's a very strange, like you said, it's it's tough to place. They it's, it's weird, and that's why I liked it so much, but that transition right, I, out just shows you kind of how, it shows you how strange it is. I, I'm barely bothered by the tra- the transition is strange. Don't get me wrong, but I'm barely bothered by it because I'm placing can't keep kind of on the island away where it's sort of on its own. You can kind of dissect the the set, dissect can't keep kind of in its own territory, and then this 
brain of Jay through maybe crop duster area can be dissected on its own sure. and sort of stand out on its own. Cause I think this next four or five songs are just perfect. I think that they, it's, yeah. it's such a great selection of songs to play uh, back, back and forth. It's, it's wild. It's, it's a pretty strong start to just to jump ahead. Save you comes after brain of Jay. What I wrote is, um, I actually thought Save You would have worked better in the number two spot than Brain of Jay. That's really the only criticism I have for the first, like, five or six or five or six songs about. You probably think that, and I wonder if you think that because uh, Save You is the follow-up track on the album. Yeah, I mean, that that definitely uh, helps, and I like the transition on the album. I think the transition live would have worked. I think it's more of brain of Jay sticking out uh, in a weird way to me uh, in that spot rather than just going, you know, f- like a formula, like, like on the album. So, you know, I can see what I, you're saying. yeah, I think, That's, I think it would have worked. I, I can see what you're saying, but right out of the gate, I like the energy out of the gate. I think that that's an important uh, thing to measure here is that you have brain of Jay and save you back to back, which are very similar songs, by the way, Pretty similar. Um, they have kind of like the same pace. They have the same, I don't know, energy to them. Uh, very early album tracks. So to hear them early on in a set uh, makes a lot of sense, and and it gives the energy out really early. They're coming out guns a blazing, which is awesome way to start a Pearl Jam show. I yeah. would, I you know, most likely in most situations wouldn't have it any other way. But um, you know, I I. I even if it was like you suggested, even if it was doing save you before brain of J, I would have been okay with it. Um, you know, I'm okay with this, this order as it is. It's just the, the way that they brought their energy, the way that, um, they used, they utilized both these songs in a row, I think really kind of set the tone and set the mood for the night again. Yeah, to blazing. yeah definitely. I, I, I do like that. They did both of them back to back. I, I thought that was really, uh, really fun, and they weren't holding anything back, and it was it was charged, and it was great. I just think it might have worked a little better if they had switched it. But um, I always forget that that Stone takes the Save You solo, and he shreds the hell out of it on this he one, does. and it yeah. sounds awesome. And uh, another thing that I I noticed that I had mentioned a, a few episodes back, uh, it was around this time period. Stone's red Stratocaster is back. Uh, you don't oh. see it anymore. It sounded great. Stone and Jeff both uh, were just oozing, oozing with chemistry and energy tonight. Yeah. Um, it was it was very fun to watch both of them. Definitely. Um, all right. Well, here's – now, if you're at the show, and this sometimes I, I when I'm kind of blindly listening to stuff and I don't know what's coming next, I I like that. I can't determine or can't think of like, what would they play to keep the momentum going? And I had no idea when I was first listening to it, what they could do out of brain of Jane save you. That would keep the pace of their set. And I think that next two songs are the perfect example of not knowing what's coming next, but being totally excited when you hear it. I agree. Uh, Cause it's it, both of these, it, it's, it's not very commonplace to hear 
either of these songs uh, very early in the set. I think maybe one of them you hear more often in the spot than the other. But uh, so they go from Save You into Do the Evolution into Spin the Black Circle, which is just, man, if you want to go out there and kick some ass really early, that's the way to do it. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I like this kind of pre-2011 Pearl Jam evolution placement where it could be end of end of the first set or earlier. I like it earlier here. I think this is I think it's a, a great spot and it definitely keeps the momentum. And two stone solo shreds in a row. Uh, you can't complain about that. I don't, I don't care who you are. The only problem I had with this was I don't know if it was like the heat getting the best of them early on, but I thought this was a really boring evolution. I thought it was very kind of mid-paced. I, I, I had noticed that Mike is full of energy a lot, but, um, you know, I, I know he was coming off of, you know, he had gained a lot of weight. He was taking some weight off and it was, yep. it was a big transition period for Mike, but it seemed like he was getting winded and he'd take a break and then go full energy again. Then he'd kind of step back and kind of take a break again, which is fine. I, you know, I, I, I understand that especially if you're you know you're getting your health back on track also it's like 100 degrees i felt like that kind of consumed the whole band for evolution i thought it was a little a little boring but i love the placement i i i agree with you with most of that um i thought that it wasn't the best uh evolution of the song uh of the song i thought the best version of evolution let, let me just make myself really clear i didn't it it wasn't bad uh, no, it didn't not at sound all. bad. It was it was it was fine. And but and a song that you're a song that you're gonna hear every night from 1998 on, you know, like 95 percent of the time, whatever it is, because they have literally played it that much. Um, you're gonna notice different things. You're gonna notice when ones are really good, and I think the next time that they probably played this was the Live at the Garden DVD, which was probably the best do the evolution of all time because the garden stage freaking shook. I uh, mean, after this opener that they do here, they, uh, they almost treated evolution as a cool down, but to cool themselves down, let's just play evolution <laughs> because it's super popular. People know it. They're not going to complain about it, but it's also a chance for us to maybe not run around for three and a half minutes or so. And then we could pick it back up with spin the black circle. We're there right back on it you know their 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 performance from do the evolution has been the black circles completely different they're all over the stage again so i completely uh uh understand why they would have to maybe just stop for a second because it looked like they were hot and uncomfortable yes. yeah and <laughs> he know? and he wasn't moving around a lot at this no, point no. And you gotta you gotta save it you, you have to save it or yes. you have to you know Matt looks like he's already worked himself to death. Matt is, is destroying the show. Yes. Killing it. Uh, this is still like he's now he's recording with the band and now he's in the studio with the band, but he's still becoming MFC, you know, and, and this is a good show to watch because you see him really stepping out of, of just being a, uh, uh, their replacement drummer into being MFC. Exactly. Yeah, I, I noticed that. I actually wrote that down. That's coming up in the note. I, I, I there's one song where I really picked up on that. Um, I'm not sure where it is, but I'll, I'll see it when it comes up. 
I mean, it had been two albums. You know, he he's written a lot of songs. Uh, sure. At this point, but um, yeah, I, I guess. I guess when you think of the band and you think that, okay, at this point in their career, they've had four different drummers that recorded on albums for seven different albums. So mm-hmm. the consistency is not really there. And when you think of Matt Cameron, you're like, oh, he's a Soundgarden drummer right now. You know, even, what is this, five years after Soundgarden broke up, he's yeah. still kind of the drummer of Soundgarden. That's like, you, you don't necessarily consider him like okay he's officially in Pearl Jam as at this point yes he's in the band yes he's officially in the band but like in the back of your head you're kind of sort of thinking all right well Soundgarden is going to come back at some point Audio Slave was really starting to get popular at this point I I think it, this was around the time middle of their first album so uh you know, you would think that at some point Soundgarden would get back together. At some point, Rage Against the Machine would get back together. And once once that happens and Soundgarden is fully abandoned again, then, then Matt Cameron moves on and they go and, and Pearl Jam finds themselves another drummer. That's yeah, Well, you know, it's, it's kind of business as usual when it came to Pearl Jam. People were used to this. Yeah, uh, right. It almost didn't matter. Exactly. So it's it's good to see him giving it his all because I'm sure even maybe for him he wasn't even sure what the who knows maybe he, maybe he didn't know he would be doing avocado in 2006 or 2011 2003 yeah. whatever you know he might not even even known his lifespan as the drummer in Pearl Jam but it does not stop him from being a a, a real driving force especially in this era because he's he's awesome on the show. Yeah, not at all. And again, I think, um, you know, we take for granted a lot of the contributions that Matt has had to the band uh, with the songs that he's written. He wrote two or three songs from Binaural and then wrote a couple of The Lost Dogs and, you know, In the Moonlight. Uh, And he wrote, I think, two or three songs off of uh, uh, Riot Act as well, Well, including You Are. You see it pop up in, in Avocado a lot. I mean, Stone is doing most of the backups here on this show. Cameron doesn't say a word, and then Avocado hits. And, Avocado, and Cameron, Cameron is doing oh, everything. But not only that, it, it translates now to almost every other song. You see it now, and, and Cameron sings back up almost in every song. And uh, I guess they needed to have him just do it on the album for him to say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this live now, because you do album recordings and you're singing backup on an album. It's like, well, I'm doing this live. Oh, right. I could also sing backup in every single song you guys have. So it's, it's a really, really cool, as we mentioned earlier, the build and the transition of the band. Uh, this is such a cool show to, to, to see that, to see things like this happening. Yeah. And I, uh, it's funny that you actually mentioned all that. Cause I started listening to a podcast called the, the great albums Okay. And uh, they've been around for a couple of years. So, you know, just digging through Apple Podcasts and trying to find uh, Pearl Jam stuff through there is difficult because they're, they're huge fans. And I think they got to 10 verses in Vitalogy very early on. So, like, the uh, closest one that I can find, I found a Backspacer episode. And they specifically played Just Breathe and specifically isolated cameron's uh backup vocals on it and you know i it's in the back of my head i knew that 
yeah, Cameron is doing the backups on this, but it almost sounds like Eddie's being double tracked. Like he's just tracking his own. He's he does a good job blending in really well and kind of sounding like Eddie almost. Yeah, yeah, and sometimes that's what. Just breathe. Yeah, sometimes that's what you want. You want it to be as smooth and and uh, uniform as possible. Where sometimes, on the other hand, where you have someone like you know John Frusciante with Anthony Kiedis, you want to hear Frusciante. You don't want that to sound similar because he's so much better. Right. But oh yeah. Stuff, you know, with stuff like this, it's 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 rock stuff. So if you could have it be more uh, you know uniform, it, it makes a lot it makes a lot of sense and. And it makes it sound better sometimes. You you want some variation, but not a crazy amount to where it sounds like basically basically where it sounds like two two different people are singing the same song is essentially what I'm what I'm saying. Right. Right. Just enough harmony where it's kinda like Beatles harmony in a way. Right, right, right. Exactly. Where it's just, you know, everybody's kind of chiming in and they all go kind of they're singing the same songs and somebody might go down one another one goes up but everything kind of blends together really nicely where you know you that's a really good example using uh, Frashanti as uh as the example where he's when he does backups on something like uh I don't know around the world uh where he's he has that really high part in the chorus ah, like that's completely different than what Kiedis is doing. That's, um, you know, I, I mean, you said it already. I don't have to, I don't have to make the point again, but like, I, I'm just, I'm enhancing that you're absolutely right. He's doing, uh, a completely different thing than, and he's not blending. It's a, it's yeah. its own, it's its own part in the song. Frusciante is the one you want to listen to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. He's the one you want to hear. Um, you know what I don't think, mesh as well is that Pearl Jam back then loved this dark stage with like the backlighting it's a little weird spotlight right? I hate it it's like so depressing all the time it's like okay so they got these lights behind Cameron and it like backlights the stage and cool for an opener but then it's like every single song and they'll throw like a spotlight on whoever's soloing Right. Oh, it's terrible. They, <laughs> I, I hate it. I will say, as much as I love their live performances more than anybody that I've ever seen live, I will say that their live presence, as in stage, uh, you know, extra stage stuff, uh, you know, U2 puts on this dynamite show, apparently, where uh, Bono is, like, walking on a catwalk and right. uh, all random things like that. Um, you know, Green Day is another one where they, they put this production into the show. I don't know if Pearl Jam doesn't care about that stuff, but they definitely seem more interested in, okay, let's get your, your eye to focus on us playing instead of like, I don't know, our backdrop that might be moving. That was the thing that to bring up the Chili Peppers for the third time in this episode. That's a, a thing that the Chili Peppers did. They had a big video screen on the back, and for every song it had, like, a different... Uh, animation. Think, animation, yeah, yeah. I think that they, was very popular back then as well. They, they were still doing it up to, like, a year or two ago, but, I mean, the production value was fantastic. Maybe Pearl Jam didn't want to spend a ton of money on production value. I mean, it's gotten way better, of course. It's bright, it's vibrant now, it's a lot of fun. 
at the same time, now that I'm thinking about it, now that I actually said it out loud, it kind of mirrors the whole behind the scenes of Riot Act and how Riot Act feels. It feels kind of like a dark stage. It so, is, yeah. I, you know, I guess now that it's it's difficult to watch, but I guess it kind of makes sense too. Uh, I, maybe I'll take well, back what I said. <laughs> well, look at look at none. Look, I, I I you know I don't think it's a big deal that they don't have this like elaborate stage set up. No, it's um, not a big deal. I would just like to maybe see them as a full band, oh, like oh, of more, course, more, yeah. more than a couple songs throughout the set. But right. Um, but you have to think of where their roots kind of come from, and a lot of their roots come from punk roots and punk yeah. shows. Punk shows didn't have like this elaborate stage getup. They walked on the stage. They screamed a lot and they played off key and they were, uh, you know, terrible at sometimes. And I'm thinking mostly of the Sex Pistols out of out sure. of everything else. That's just the first thing that's coming to my mind right now. But a lot of other punk bands is the same thing. But um, that was kind of the idea. And, and very much at this time, I think uh, the huge influence in Eddie's life is, uh, we'll get to it later, is, uh, is the Ramones and, and mainly Johnny Ramone. Um, and you know, the, the Ramones having an elaborate stage setup. Are you kidding me? No, that would never happen. So, um, I think that we should get on to the next song now. Uh, yeah, it's spin a black circle and, you know, we package that and do the evolution together. Uh, uh, this is really where I fell in love with the set. Cause when I was listening to it, it was one of the first times that I heard, uh, spin a black circle being played this early. I know that they used to do it a lot, you know, while touring for Vitalogy, because, you know, last exit into spin the black would be a really good segue because it's like that on the album. So it, it would work and people would recognize it. Um, but uh, this early like this to get a bunch of screamers out of the way, man, that is, that is ballsy to do that 15 minutes into your set. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I love the placement here. It's it's not one of my favorites. It's not a song that I really care to see live. Um, really? Yeah, if they play it, I, I enjoy it, but it's it's not one that I actively look to have. But uh, they fucking kill it here. I mean, it's it's awesome. It is. This is awesome. I um the one thing I think that I uh, about this the same thing that you said about life wasted last week was that. It sounded like they were trying really hard to make it faster than it should have been. That they were okay. trying to feed off the energy off the last couple of songs, and maybe evolution was kind of down just a little bit. Um, it was still, it still had energy, but it felt like, especially at the end, I felt like they almost slammed the brakes a little too hard mm. and and lost their footing a little bit but it, again it those are are very slight things looking back that uh you know really is are they're they're just things that I would only notice on a bootleg um, sure sure yeah you know, I, I agree I agree notice that live yeah yeah no I I agree because as you said that's that's something that I had with the last show so if if that's what you heard here, then I understand and, and I could agree to that. 
Yeah, and it didn't affect anything. It didn't take me out of right, uh, right. the set. And honestly, the first time that I listened to it, I didn't even notice anything. I was just rocking out. So that's yeah. Well, because again, the, the placement is really good, and they're not really missing a note here. So exactly. Uh, so this goes into Green Disease, which is uh, I feel like they played it every single night in two thousand and three. Just about. Um, and we're doing it two times in a row here. That's strange. Yeah. For us. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, uh, it was a debut last week, and it's continuing on for this week. So, if we're if we're using our show like they would build set lists, then the green disease from last week would be so good that we had to play again again tonight. You know uh, what I'm saying? Hey, uh, I, I'm I think I'm remembering this correctly, but I think we held off on playing Green Disease so we could play it this week. Am I right? Yes, and I do have it marked down to play, but I also had Spin a Black Circle marked down to play, which I was like, eh, maybe we can pass by it. But I had the next song marked down to play too. So considering that it is Riot Act, I think we could do both Green Disease and the next song. Okay. Um, why don't we do that? I think I think that's a really good idea. We play Green Disease because this is a really good version. So, uh, oh, maybe you know. Okay, I'll save it. I'll save it. Let's play the song and then I'll save my point for after the song because it's actually really funny what I wrote here. All right, so uh, Green Disease. <laughs> myself out on something so i said during spin we just we just had to regroup right there real quick hold on yeah just a little <laughs> bit um so i said during spin the black circle that uh it sounded like the band uh was sort of like what matt said uh for life wasted last week getting ahead of itself and i i don't know if i agree with that because um 
I thought I, I just thought that and didn't write it. And it was just something that I remembered until I looked at green disease and it says this one gets a little too big for its britches. Last week, Matt said during life wasted, the band was overdoing it a bit after starting off in a night groove uh, in a nice groove. The same thing happens here. They try to play it faster than they should have, although it's fine that they did. They have a tendency to trip over themselves sometimes. Um, so I, I guess it was more green disease. Okay. Spin yeah. The black circle that I thought that. Yeah. I wasn't, I was agreeing with you on spin the black circle only because I, like I said, I, I felt that way about a song. So if you felt that way about spin the black circle, I, I know where you're coming from. It wasn't, I didn't feel that way about it, but now that you said it was, you were thinking of the wrong song. It all makes sense to me now, <laughs> but, okay. uh, which is really funny though. You say that about green disease because, um, I did feel like this had a little bit more of what I was missing last week. Cause I, I, uh, if you remember, I said, I thought last week it, it had fallen a little flat, but I think overall, after hearing it this week, I think I just prefer the album to live. I, I don't know if they really nail this song live to, to where I absolutely love it. I liked it way more here than I did last week. I think I just prefer the, uh, the album version, and this is the song where I said Cameron, though, is destroying this song. Cameron's rocking the hell out on this song. A uh, lot of fun to watch him play it. Now, I'm just going to make one quick point, and this is for any guitar players out there, for some guitar player nerds. I think I know why I don't really love this song live. I think they're using the wrong guitars. Mike and Stone are both using Telecasters, and Eddie is playing his SG. You need more balls for this song, and I think that's what it is. I don't think this song has enough balls live. So what would you suggest they play with? Les Pauls or Stratagasters. Besides their balls. <laughs> I feel like Stone should probably have his Les Paul, and I think that uh, and I think that McCready should have his Stratocaster. That's just my opinion. I know a lot of people out there that are diehard Telecaster people, uh, but they're very finicky, and I think this is the wrong song to use them in. Just me. That's just me. It's interesting. I don't, you know, I'm not... You know, I'm uh, I'm an enthusiast, but I'm not to a point where I understand any of this stuff. So it, it's good that you mention it. So. You know, it's kind of ironic. Eddie was using his Gibson SG, and he wasn't using his Telecaster, which he normally does. Which he does, yeah. With, right. And the other two guys were. So if, if it was three Telecasters, I think I think I would really hate it. But uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> So I'm sorry to all you Telecaster lovers. I do like Telecasters a lot. I just think it's wrong for this song, and I think that's the problem I've, I'm, I was having with it. That's interesting. I, I you know, again, like I, the, you just, I, I don't think that guitars can make or break songs like that, but um, that's a really interesting perspective, I think. And now I think that this version was better than, than the one that we listened to last week. Definitely. definitely. They're not playing it every week in, in 2006 and they're really, you know, green disease is, is, part of promoting the tour and and this is i would say sort of like the severed hand of riot act where it's sure. it was never a single but um it was also always very popular and played every night it could have been i feel like it could have been oh yeah no there there are songs off of almost every album that you can say well if they decided not to go that route they could have made this a single instead yeah. well i feel know? like i feel like green disease specifically could have been sure sure uh 
the content would is you know fit the mold of the time you know corporation greed that's that's definitely relevant and i think it's i think it's a great album song uh i know people don't like it um but i do and uh, i like it too and i know you do I love it off the album. And I actually, there are live versions of this that I know I really like that I know that we'll be covering at some point, but, um, yeah. yeah. And, and when we don't have anybody else to talk to in the podcast, we'll just go off of each other's opinion. So green disease, thumbs up, (laughs) thumbs up for a single. Yep. Agreed. (laughs) Uh, it's better. It's a better single than nothing as it seems. Sure. Uh, All right, another live on four legs debut here. Uh, it's another. It's it's not a deep cut because it's a side A song, uh, but it's not one that people pick out of the litter and say like, "Oh, this is one of the stars off of Riot Act." Uh, I never thought it was, and and I've never really been into it until recently it kind of hit me in a different way. And it's not even the whole song. And we'll talk about that in a sec, but uh, Mm -hmm. right here, we're going to play crop duster. saying uh not specifically one of my favorite songs off of riot act uh you know there are 15 songs on a good day this might make the top 10 on not a good day it it could be 10 or 11 i don't think it falls much further further than that but um i have grown to appreciate it over time and i think they played it really well here Stone's backups sound really good. I agree. Um, so the part that we just played, that that moon is rolling around, and I really like that. I think that that part of the song to me makes the song for me. If they just kind of did a generic ending, uh, you know, just kind of ending off of the same way that they finished, I, I would have think the song is really boring. But at least that that part. It felt a lot more passionate live than it does on the album, and I really 
I really did like it here, and it kind of opened up my mind uh, to the song a lot more. Yeah, uh, this song was was a grower for me, for sure. It, it took a while, but I, I really adore this song now. And uh, I think mostly it's because of how they play it live. They they do it well. They make it a little bit more interesting. It's an interesting song as it is, but uh, I, I agree if it's album version all the time, it could just be, it could be a filler. I think, uh, I think this is a good spot. It works well as like a semi, like a semi cool down, not like a full cool down, but it's a more of a breather than a cool down. I will say though, it's it's played well, it's clean, but there's something about this one that I'm not crazy about. But I can't put my finger on it, and I think what it is is I think I need more boom. I don't think he was loud enough. Hmm. I think that was still though. I, I'm not sure if that was it. There's just there was something about this that I wasn't crazy about, even though it was played well. I think it was boom. I think I needed more boom. I think I, think it, I think it needed to be louder. I think that okay. was that could have been could be as simple as that. Honestly, okay. I didn't even I didn't even think of that aspect. Yeah. Um, I like the I spot think. though. I th- do you see what I'm saying about like a semi cool down? It's not yes. It's not an elderly woman. It's. Uh, I, I think, it's I think it's, it's a, a pace changer. It's a pace changer while also being able to promote at the same time, which is smart, I think. Right. Um, and unlike last week where we were just getting like smacked in the head with avocado yeah. stuff and it seemed forced. This is, I think this is kind of a genius thing to do here. Sure. I mean, they're, they're what, uh, this is seven songs under the set. They already have four riot act songs played, but, um, they're all kind of in different spots in the album. It's paced way better. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And at this point, they've played two Yield songs and one Vitalogy song too. So it's um, it's very it's top heavy with only three albums, which I think it's funny. And then they go into Given to Fly, which obviously uh, fulfills more of the Yield stuff. Yield, I think there was, I think Yield was the second most songs. For the for this show, mm. I think they play two more yield songs in the show, and uh, Riot Act obviously had the most. But um, for other albums, Ten and Verses I think had two apiece. Mm. So that's interesting to think about because usually nowadays you're you're getting five from ten no matter sure. what. So uh, it's funny that we mentioned the pace on on Crop Duster because we always <laughs> yeah. talk about the pace for giving a fly. This, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Are you not into the placement for giving a fly here? If they had done a hardcore cooldown, I think maybe this would have been better. But after Crop Duster, I'm not. I'm not liking this placement. Um, I think it's a little awkward. Uh, and not to mention, this is a horribly unremarkable performance of the song. I thought too. Uh, I feel like I feel like if you're not doing a cool down and coming back into a set with "Given to Fly," you got to make this song a spectacle, and you got to make this song really something to remember. I feel like they just kind of went through the motion with this one, and I wasn't I wasn't buying it. I wasn't, and you know, I usually don't have trouble with giving a fly really anywhere i agree with what you say about it and i do like it after cooldowns this one's not working for me at all i i think the placement here is better than it has been in other places um i 
I don't think it's being used as a cool down. I think it's being used as a as a bring back. Yeah, yeah. I think it's uh, been, no, I think uh, it's right, right, being right. built upon. I no, I I definitely agree. Um what I mean is like uh like Love Boat Captain last week in the Given a Fly. That is that is a formula that will work for me every single time. I don't think Crop Duster was was the right song to have before it. So you're saying that Okay, so you're saying that you thought that there should have been more more of a cool down special specialty spot here. Yeah, yet in a way. At the same time I don't because I really liked Crop Duster there as as a semi cool down. So uh I I I like Crop Duster's spot there for for itself, but I don't like it leading into Given to Fly. And I and I don't know if it's the if it's given to fly I have the problem with or crop duster now, but them together back to back is is not uh not what I like. And yeah, I, I don't I think something would have would have worked better maybe in between. Uh but again, like I said, I I didn't really care for the performance of, of Given to Fly either. So that didn't help. That's probably why they needed a cooldown, because uh maybe. You know, again, it's blistering hot out, and maybe they just needed to sit down and play a song real quick. Um, yeah, it, it, the performance itself of Given a Fly, I, I thought it was uh, it was par for the course. Uh, I thought it was fine. You know, it, it, obviously, if you've been listening to the show uh, for all these episodes so far, um, Given a Fly has not. I've had heavy, heavy criticisms of it. I think it should build more instead of just have that fast pace into more fast pace. Um, they keep the same pace throughout the whole song. No, it should start off slow and build up like it does on the album. They should do that every time they play it live, except for maybe when they open with it. Uh, but uh, yeah, this, this this version just sounded like any other, you know, basic version to me. Uh, it was, it was fine. It's, it's always, you know, I like it if the placement makes sense, and I thought it was it was fine. I thought the placement was fine for this. Um, I would have probably liked something in between this and even flow, but uh, that we didn't get. So, you know, something to build back into before going into even flow. Yeah, and and I I I would have taken something a little bit a little bit more on the softer side, uh, uh, in between crop duster and given a fly so we would have put something on either side of given a fly. there's some kind of there's some kind of sandwich there's there's some kind yeah. of condiment a, that that the sandwich yeah. needs yeah it needs a little tomato in there or something i don't know avocado need some avocado not yet <laughs> not yet <laughs> getting a couple of years ahead of ourselves here right um <laughs> ed's on the mic after this and he says might have forgotten to say welcome hello uh, it's hot out and says, is this what July in Philly is, feels like, or is this what July in New Jersey feels like? The New Jersey part is the part that elicits the booze. <laughs> so what does he do? He throws on a, throws on a Philly's hat, right? Was that at this point? I, I think it was right as he starts singing. Yeah, I think it okay. was. I, I did see him with a Philly's hat. I couldn't remember what song. He, I think he takes it off like immediately. It was probably too hot for it, but yeah, right. Uh, yeah. I thought that was appropriate timing. Speaking of which, if he's hot, why is he wearing that stupid bowling shirt? Yeah, it takes him a while to uh, to lose it. He sweat right through it. But <laughs> and then later, 
way later in the set, like around Baba or Yellow Ledbrother, he puts a jacket back on. He has a t-shirt on. He puts like a green jacket back on. Who knows? Yeah. I, weird. But you got to look cool, man. You got to look. You're a rock star. You got to look cool. I think he does. I think you can kind of make out what he says before this, you know, little speech here. I think he, he uh, kind of turns to somebody and says, is there a fan on? Can you put a fan on? Did you hear I thought that? I heard him say something like that. At another point, I didn't write it. Shoot, I knew I should have written it down. He turned around and said something. It might have been earlier than this. Then maybe that's what I'm thinking of. I didn't write it down because I'm a jackass. But okay, so we only we only cover this for a hobby. It's okay. <laughs> uh, wherever it is, it feels like it's fucking hot. That's basically the basis of, of what he was saying. Pretty much. So, uh, even flow. Uh, good even flow in the same, you know. Everyday spot for it. Uh, man, Mike was just tearing this one apart. Yeah, Mike. Uh, and showing off while doing it. Too. Mike cooled off a little bit, took his breather, and came right back with uh, with with the solo, which was wild on this one. Uh, totally showing off. Uh, even flow, great tempo on this one. Uh, Eddie seemed a little bored, but again, this is a song where... If, if he goes full Eddie on it, he's going to be wiped mid-set, and you don't want that. So he kind of takes a back seat on this one while singing lead vocals. Uh, but probably, I mean, that's probably what they had to do this night just to just to be able to catch their breath uh, during some of these songs. Yeah, and, you know, uh, I, thought Eddie's, uh, I thought Eddie's energy was a little strange on this night for some certain songs and I think we'll get it get to it in the in the next song. It was like he was um, definitely picking and choosing what he wanted to. Yeah. It was I, that's what I was getting to. Yeah, and I don't know if it was certain spots where he he was just in the beginning not feeling it and he just kind of wanted the song to be over, but I think he just maybe he just knew like I got to do this again tomorrow and uh he's and then the next Killing couple himself days out there. And, you know, it's, yeah. yeah, it's just so hot. It's, you know, I guess a lot of people say, oh, so it's hot. We're all hot. We were all outside. You know, it's not when you're doing this every single night. It's you, you need to make sure you could do it the next night. And, and because this know. was the summer that a fucking blackout across the East Coast happened because everybody was using electricity to, to run their air conditioners because it was so fucking hot. That was like two weeks after the show, I think. We uh, mid July, late yeah, July. I remember that well. We were, we were probably up on Main Street getting all the the ice cream from the ice cream shop. That <laughs> I I remember where I was. Do you remember where you were? Like when you found out that everybody had lost power? Uh, yeah, I do actually. What's your What's your blackout of two thousand three story? So I was actually up on Main Street, and I was at Gino's Pizza. Ah. And I remember One of my the favorites. Yeah, the blackout happened, and they had to. I remember they pulled out a generator uh, to keep everything going, and they were still selling all the food, and everyone on Main Street's looking around. And I, I remember specifically because a good friend of ours, uh, someone we know from high school, his name is Dan, had <laughs> met up with us on Main Street, and I don't know why, but apparently they had canceled his uh, road test because of the blackout. Oh, I don't know if it had to do with maybe 
electronic scorings. They weren't charging. I don't know what it was. I don't know if they brought those, you know, those little like uh, walkie-talkie things around with them. But apparently, it had to get canceled. So uh, that's that's what I remember. I remember from that. Uh, I remember. All right. So the way I found out about it, I was working at uh, at the market at the time on Fire Island. Yep. And um, I used to do bike deliveries. So or, uh, like 16, 17 at the time. And I was doing a bike delivery somewhere. And I go in, I drop everything inside the house. And and the next door, I, I get out of the house. And the next door neighbor says, my power's off. And then she goes back in, whoever I was dealing with goes back in. And they're like, huh, my power's off too. That's weird. So I go back. And I go back into the market and the power's off in the market. I'm like, okay, this is a major, major problem. Um, especially for a market that sells, you know, fresh produce <laughs> yeah, and exactly. um, yeah. ice. Uh, I ice was rest- a big seller there. Yeah, absolutely. I spent the rest of the day bagging ice, trying to put the ice in the walk-in freezer and literally like we were like keep the walk-in freezer visits to the most limited amount possible because we got to keep all of the that air stored in there you know the because nothing was on so you know you open the door and you let everything out yeah it's you know so i had to bag like i don't know probably like 50 bags of ice that day so people could have their ice and i remember they actually sent me home early because basically what what are you going to do there there nobody was coming in and uh you know that it was it was it was strange because it felt like you know from i don't remember if there was music on in the store or what but um you know or like sounds from the floor fluorescent lighting but i remember the sounds of of the feet shuffling and everybody walking around in the store and if you can hear their feet shuffling and i realized that you don't hear this <laughs> with the lights on it was right? very all, strange all of a sudden it's so loud right yeah so yeah that was uh it was, it, it was interesting and i i you know i don't think it was until an hour later where somebody uh, you know, got a battery power powered radio and said, uh, you know, hey, this is apparently going on throughout the country right now. So, you know, that's out of our uh, out of our small little islands tucked away in the in the corner. Uh, yeah, I don't think we knew that it was like all of Manhattan until the next mm-hmm. day, right? You get the newspaper. Yeah. Um. All right. Get back into. You know, pre-blackout of 2003 stuff here. Faithful. Uh, and Faithful, after a very long even flow, is one of the rare times they can play both a cool down and build back. Uh, it's it's a rare song that kind of gives you both facets of that, um, which, you know, it can kind of be utilized as a weird kind of Swiss Army knife, but again, you don't uh you don't really want to 
go overboard with that because then you can there could be some really bad spots for it. I think they're really yeah. careful with their spots for faithful, but um I agree. Eddie in this, if you look at his facial reactions, they're strange. I, uh, yes, that's I wrote that. I, I not those exact words, but I wrote first I wrote again, I I think this was another seriously unremarkable performance. Um but he's I yeah, he's making these faces like he's not into it or or he's not feeling this one. And I wasn't really feeling it either, but I, I felt like watching him made me feel that way even more. Um, now, it, it was never one of my favorites anyway. I, I, I never liked that chorus, that bum, bum, bum. I don't know. It was, it, it, uh, for some reason, it reminded me of like something like Sesame Street or something. I, I don't know. I, I can't put my finger on it. But uh, I agree with you because I think having it after Evenflow was a very good idea. Yeah, and that's that's been done a couple times, so yeah. But this performance was was off for me, and and there was something off with with Eddie as well. He it looked like I don't know his facial reactions like ranged from bored to angry, and yeah, I, yeah. I, I you can't you couldn't tell how he was feeling, and sometimes you can you can tell when he's into a song, you can tell that he's fully engaged he's fully involved yep, and he yep. he belongs in the song and this he was just not 100 percent taking over the stage and um he was i feel like he wasn't connecting with it yeah uh, that, you know what he was he was making the kind of face that my singers make when they can't really hear themselves that well on stage could have been so that. Maybe that was it could have been an audio thing i don't know but he was looking over a little bit he was he was yeah there was something about it that was a little off great place though great spot uh, great spot yeah, yeah, and I think fantastic. the song sounded fine, but again, that was just there are little things when you look and watch from YouTube. Uh, you know, these are things that even if we were at the show, that we wouldn't even be able to tell. Sure. So, um, you know, the band's energy is there, but Ed is not not quite at full potential. Um, this is a, get, this is this is another one where where we had said like he's kind of picking and choosing uh, yeah. his his level of excitement in these songs, which is, I, I mean, it's faithful. I, I, I don't know how excited you're going to get for it, but yeah, uh, it kind of fell flat a little bit. Um, I, I felt like he did get excited for Wishlist. I felt like Wishlist was more of, uh, I don't know, I felt like he was more into it, and which is weird because did you not think so? No, I, I again, completely agree with you. I thought I thought he actually had a lot of heart on this one. Not one of my favorites. I've I've said that before. Yeah, um, Wishlist has not ever been one of my favorite no, songs either, but, but, but this you, version's good. You know me. It sounds like Wishlist, and I can't knock a good performance because it was a really good performance. So, uh, yeah, felt like he had a lot of heart on it. So, I why can't, don't com we, can't complain why about don't it. We, uh, why don't we play the part at the end? He kind of does this little... Uh, he usually kind of... There's a little ramble at the end. He says, I wish I was whatever and, you know, whoever. Uh, but this part, you know, to kind of solidify the political talk that we had from earlier, uh, why don't we p play the part where he says, I wish I was a Democrat, I wish I was a Republican, and what he would do if he were either of those. And, sure. yes, it's 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 one-sided. Um, <laughs> we, we've made no secrets about what side we're on and, you know – if 
let's just put it this way. If we were in Congress, we would try and figure out a bipartisan bill to end the shutdown instead of saying, no, it's your fault. No, it's your fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. And, uh, you know, we would we would figure a bipartisan way to do it and we would work together with people because that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you agree with that. Of course I agree. Of course okay. you, agree. <laughs> uh, I, you know, that, that, that's sort of what we're saying here, that we do have our opinions on things, and I think that uh, the majority probably of Pearl Jam fans probably feel the same way as I as we do. But, um, you know, you, you are, are also listening right now, and you might be saying that, uh, how can you be talking about politics? It's not necessarily talking about politics and talking about our views. It's talking about sort of the whole encompassing trip, everything together as to what they were thinking and what uh, the surroundings were. So again, that's why I want to play this part. Yeah, we said that early on in the in this whole podcast series that there are going to be some shows that uh, political talk is somewhat unavoidable. Yeah, and even though we want always, to try to avoid it, but it sometimes you can't. It, it's it's always going to lean left, but it's going to lean left with a an openness to uh, other opinions. I think, and we'll talk about that later uh, with something. I think I think in a couple of songs or so. But uh, um, Eddie's always been opening open to listening to the other side, so we are as well. Um, uh, as long as we can have a conversation and not a shouting match. Uh, let's have a conversation with Eddie and let's talk about his feelings at the time. I wish I was a Democrat chance to win I wish I was a Republican But would I be a human This is 
this is the part in the set that is probably the most important part in the set, don't you think? Yeah, and I and I love it. <laughs> it is um it's so appropriate to make this change like this on the fly where uh basically this is af- this is the day after the 4th of July. This is the 5th of July where they're playing the show. And during Wishlist, uh, I believe some fireworks are going off and, and Eddie is pointing out the fireworks in the background and you can see him going back there and he's, uh, you know, he's talking to Matt and he's, um, he's doing a little powwow and it looks like they're changing up the set a little bit and uh, he comes back and he says, all right, changing it on the fly, uh, this one's back for, for the fireworks and... Uh, they take a song that is not ever played in the first set. It is usually, oh, one of the last two songs played in the night. And they kind of dedicate it to the fireworks and dedicate it to America. So why don't we uh, play a little bit of Rockin' in the Free World and, and get feel this experience? Because this song really, this is where their energy just, went sky high through the roof and they were feeling it. Um, they were feeling America. Stone was dancing through the whole thing. So why don't we play Rockin' and Free World here? saying the worst thing about it is that the video <laughs> on YouTube doesn't show any of the fireworks. It doesn't show any. No, it was a it, it was like a two or three camera uh, 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 recording. Uh, I'm sure they any. were on tripods that didn't move. Probably, and, probably. Yep. If we have to keep covering this song, I, I appreciate it being a, just a little bit different here, and I I thought it was it could have sucked. And I would have liked the placement because it's you know what it's it's switching it up so I I like it that's all I gotta say it's a it's a really good little shift of gears and you know that they can recognize that something's going on in the background and make that change on the fly to Listen, I, adapt I, to their surroundings is really cool I thought it kind of sounded good in this spot too it's it wasn't 
it was a little out of place, but it 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 really wasn't bad. No, I I I thought it worked really well. I thought that uh, the only the only problem that I'll get to in a second is uh, is that it's hard to follow. That you're used sure. to this going into a lead better and indifference or exactly. uh, you know or walking out or going home because this is this is it this is the end of the night so to to kind of bounce back off of this is pro- probably the toughest part because how often do they have to do it right almost never you know even at this point in the game this was a very 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 late set song so uh that's really the toughest part about it um you know it 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 brings brings in a lot of energy so then sort of where do you go do you, do do you go to something that kind of you know changes momentum do you go to something that continues momentum and it's uh it's interesting cuz i don't know if i like the next pick uh me either and it's funny i might as well mention this so ed says usually at this point we say three words thank you good night but uh tonight we'll say this next song and he says he still has a half bottle of wine so they can't go yet and they get into this next song um and it's half full so this is a pretty deep riot act song and granted it's it's a bluesy track and it's 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 a good track and i i like the song but a, as a follow through for rocking in the free world do you think that maybe the crowd just needed a bit of a break and this was one that the band could just play and the crowd can just uh uh calm down for one cuz it's not one that it's not a sing along right by I, any means yeah i think it follows it well i'm 50-50 on it though um because i like that they're getting in the newer song i like the bluesy feel because the transition's not bad but i think the crowd is kind of on board for whatever they're going to do so okay did they just need to get in half full did they want to get in another riot act song have they been doing it have, or i i don't know i well okay is it the, is it the best is it no, here's, it's not the best, but here's my thing. Do you think that they just inserted Rockin' in the Free World, pushed everything down, and not and maybe didn't really recognize that uh you know it wouldn't be the best fit after Rockin' because they don't have a lot of time to change things up. Uh, I think I, they probably just continued with the set. Right, so they would have went wish list into half full right. had they not done rock in there. I think so. That makes a lot of sense because I, you know, I, I don't think they would have chose to play half full after rock and if 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 it was the song that they fit. Maybe because they, I read somewhere that the fireworks were going on uh, during wish list, so they could and and during faithful apparently, but they could have put it after faithful and they decided not to, and they decided to wait it off. And hopefully that the fireworks display was still going. Possibly. They were right. So Ed talks for a second. He thanks the buzz cops for buzz Cox 
for opening um, and says it was for them and a few other bands that first started out in the punk scene. One of the original band members was there uh, and had a request that night. So the next one was for him and it was Love Boat Captain, which I think this is pretty deep in the set for Love Boat Captain. And I didn't mind it. I didn't mind it either. And I'm, I'm noticing more and more, especially over the last two weeks or so, that this song is becoming a, a bit of a chameleon for me. It, it, it could fit in uh, in different spots. Do I prefer it super early, like number one? Definitely. But Yeah, me too. It's one of those that I'm, I'm kind of just happy to see. It could be awkward in some spots, but I like it here. Uh, I thought it sounded really good. And after last week, I was craving given a fly to come after it. But unfortunately that that's not what happened in this show. I, I think, I think love boat captain could have worked after rocking to be honest with you. That could, it could have gone after rocking as the, well. Absolutely. It kind of feels like it's a, it's a different change of pace when, when you have half full, you're not sure what pace it's kind of, again, like we said, with can't keep it's on its own Island a little bit because rocking in a free world sort of breaks things up afterwards where, you have to go in a different direction. The song doesn't like allow you to build momentum off of it usually. Um, so, but it doesn't really, it's kind of connected with love boat captain, but not really because love boat captain is so such a different tempo. Right. That I'm not sure if the two fit together perfectly. So half full is kind of on an Island in itself and love boat captain really, begins the end of the of the set in my eyes i suppose yeah uh, i and that's why i like it it's it's got this whole new like fresh start feel to it no matter where it goes which is why i like it number one and why i like it where we've seen it the last two shows i agree yeah now it's um... and that's you know what that's not something that i thought i would i would like to be honest i thought i was you see Love Boat Captain pop up, like we said on paper last week, it looks very strange, but listen to it. it, it it's really good. It uh, is. Just looking at it, I hate it. And then you listen to it, and it's really it's really something special. I think, I think Love Boat Captain for me is always a pleasure to have. I really won't challenge the placement of it at all unless it's really, really critical critically a bad spot um but this this was fine I, I i thought this was a really good version and um uh really good crowd participation near the end as well mm. uh breath follows and that that's something i thought was really cool i thought that uh you don't see breath in this point in the set usually this is kind of an encore song uh you know it, it's it's weird because it kind of sneaks it sneaks in because you don't ever really expect it to be played in sets because it's just um it's got a reputation for sort of having a rare streak so when you hear it it uh it brings a lot of life back into the set that had you know maybe for the last two songs had a different feel to it so yeah it, um, it absolutely snuck up on me here for sure <laughs> right it, you wouldn't have predicted it had I, you well yeah i didn't look at looked at the set i didn't look at the set before i listened to it and I, the only thing I knew about was uh, uh, the spontaneous rocking in the free world. That's really all I knew before going into the listen. And Breath comes up, and I was like, oh, that's really interesting and, and cool, and it sounds good. And just like with a couple of the songs that I had last week, I didn't really have an opinion on it. I said, good to see. I think that 
Ed missed some lyrics in it. It sounded like maybe he was listening to the monitors. I don't know if he forgot the lyrics, but um, couple couple po- uh, spots. But it yeah, didn't, but didn't ruin it for me. No, not at all. No, this this fit in quite nicely, and uh, it's it should be a song that you should play with a little more. I know that they play it maybe. I don't know. They did like twenty five or twenty six shows this uh, past year, and they played it like five, maybe six times. Um, but yeah, I, bring it back into the spot. I think it brings a lot of life into the first set, especially when uh, it kind of sneaks up on you. Definitely, um, definitely. So Ed kind of goes through the roster for a second, and right after he goes to Jeff, they they boo him. Uh, but it's not a booze. It's just appreciation for boom. Yep. Um, and he says they are playing the next one for Joey, Dee Dee, and Johnny. Um, and it's a Ramones cover. They started playing during this tour, uh, a lot. And we'll get to that in a second, but, uh, I want to hear it and play it right now. We're going to play, I believe in miracles. mentioned i kind of teased it briefly um before but uh at this time johnny ramon is sick uh joey joey had passed away from uh, lymphoma i believe in 2001 dd passed away 2002 uh uh from a drug overdose and johnny is still alive at this point but he's battling prostate cancer and he has about a year left he dies september 2004 yep so september 15th yeah. Just so back check. I knew it was the, it was 2004 for some reason that had, uh, I 
remembered that. So I knew he had around another year left. Yeah, that was that was a a week after, and I only remember this because on September eighth, which is my birthday, September eighth, two thousand four, both Johnny Cash and uh, and John Ritter died same day. Yeah, uh, well, actually, that's it's interesting you bring that up because uh, actually Johnny Ramone and I share a birthday. We were both born on October eighth. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, uh, not, not the same year though. I, I would hope not. <laughs> that would be a very very young age to die from prostate cancer. Yeah, it would be. Um, so basically what I was alluding to before was that, um, you can have relationships with people that think differently politically than you. And one of the, um, you know, popular ones that we, we know as Pearl Jam fans is, is that, uh, Eddie's relationship with Johnny Ramone. And if you, if you look at Ramones being a punk, a punk rock band, uh, you think that punk rock band is rebel rebel against the system and rebel against the government and everything like that. That's sort of, you know, that was the Clash's MO. That was really, uh, you know, that was the Sex Pistol was more anarchy, uh, you know, fuck the queen kind of stuff. But um, the Clash was more like, hey, let's, uh, and I was listening to a podcast about the Clash recently and, you know, they were very much like, hey, cops stop beating Jamaican immigrants. Stop doing this. That was their a big thing that they had because they were into the uh, the reggae scene and everything like that. Um, but digressing a little bit. But Johnny Ramone was a hardcore Republican. I think that a lot of Pearl Jam fans know that, but maybe not a lot of music fans know that. Just you know, from seeing the Ramones and what kind of presence they they bring, uh, you know, from a legacy standpoint that you would think oh, all punk bands are, you know, very much rebel, like I just said. Um, but he was he was a hardcore Republican, and Ed has mentioned a ton of times, and I think we've, we have covered this before, that, you know, they had very, very different views, but they were able to listen to each other and accept each other's views for what they were. And that's what made their friendship, and I, I, I love reading about their friendship. It, it's, so, it's so pure, and it feels like an older brother relationship, uh, Eddie learning just so much from, from Johnny and, and to, to the point where this is, this is the sweetest thing that could have possibly happened from what I, what I've read, uh, on the day that Johnny, uh, passed, uh, Ed spent the day with him and they spent the day watching a Cat Stevens DVD, a concert DVD, and then they played baseball trivia. And I'm just like, <laughs> that's, man, that's something I would do with my brother, you know, like something along those lines. That's, you know, people that are friends, you know, good friends don't even have that kind of relationship where they just like sit down at, around somebody's house and watch a DVD about something and then they play a game, you know, forget good friends. A lot of people don't even have family that does that. Oh yeah. No way. No way. And I think that's, uh, you know, say what you want phones and, you know, devices get in the way of relationships possible. You know, it, it, it depends on how you handle that aspect. But, um, you know, this, 
I remember having friendships like that when, when I was a kid. It feels like they're both just a bunch of teenagers just ha- hanging out, and it's a pure teenage friendship, you know? Like, you would do that stuff as a teenager. Like, kind of, you know, just hang out with your friends like that. Yep. And now it's kind of like, oh, well, I don't want to go to your house. Uh, I don't want to, I don't want you to come to my house. So let's, let's go meet up at a bar and just kind of stare at TVs at a bar and then <laughs> talk for a couple of minutes and look at our cell phones and talk and then look at our cell phones. And, you know, after the third drink, say, all right, well, it's good seeing you, seeing you in two months. You know, that's, that's at least, you know, that's not how I like my friendships to be. Right. But it's just sort of sometimes what happens. Um, but again, it's just, I, I love the way that, you know, their friendship, um, they were able to, to have different views and still maintain this relationship and the strong bond where they were like brothers, um, where, you know, on his last day that, that, you know, who you would think, you know, people in your life, if I were to spend one more day on earth, who would I want to spend it with? And, and it's really, it's, it's such a sweet thing that, that, you know, Johnny would probably say, I I would want to spend my last day with Eddie if he had a choice. And that's, that's what happened. I think that's, uh, 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 you know, you, you can't, you can't write, you can't write stuff like this. It's just such a, such a wonderful thing. Yep. So, um, and I think that they were playing, I believe in miracles, uh, at this point as a tribute to Johnny and, you know, the title, I believe in miracles, hoping for a miracle that he could get through this and that, you know, they're, uh, that he would still be alive at some point, but unfortunately that's, you know, wasn't the case, but, um, anything on the song? Yeah. I, uh, I mean, good. sounded awesome. And I absolutely love it when they do this song because it's a great song and they definitely do it justice. I do not like a cover in this spot. That's the only thing. Okay. Uh, I can see that. It's just too, early in this in in the night to it be had, tinkering yeah, or I guess so but it didn't it didn't do anything to the momentum it didn't break it up it didn't no. slow them down anything like that but it still uh stuck out to me as this glaring thing like that is a cover uh and I couldn't get over it but it sounded amazing and I love the whole story and I love it when they do it so I would take it where I could get it. It's just not my favorite spot for it, but that's, that's really the only thing I have to say about it. Nothing too bad. Yeah. I don't disagree with you. I think that uh, a lot of people are very picky about where their covers are. And, you know, if, if it feels like there are too many covers in a show Mm -hmm. that it gets overwhelming. Um, I think a lot of people said that about night one Seattle this past year that, uh, you know, they did, a Neil Young song really early. Then they did, I won't back down. Then they did white, sure. uh, the white stripe song. Um, and between the two nights, they probably did 15 covers, 15 different covers. That's a lot. And I can understand why, you know, people have a gripe against it, but I don't know. To me, it's sometimes if, if you like the music and you like the song, just, you know, 
Um, just go with it and just enjoy it for what it is instead of saying, I just want Pearl Jam. I, I've, I, and I've been stuck in that mode before of saying, you know, this is, this is a little too much. I want to see more Pearl Jam. So uh, I get it. But this, this spot, I think it worked. I, th- I thought it was okay. Yeah, it's it's fine. If it if it was you know, if they're hitting covers, you know, four, six, eight, something like that, it's yeah, too much. It's too much. Yeah. This this is maybe this is it's not my favorite spot. It's the earliest I would I would want it. I guess I could I could put it that way. That's fair. That's fair. Um, how about corduroy? Speaking of early and late and songs to be played in certain spots. What do, what do you think about Corduroy's placement after after this? So I've been known to say that I like it two or three, but I, I'm i liking it as like a second to last set ender. I, <laughs> I feel a little conflicted saying that because of how much I like it in the beginning, but I thought this one sounded really good. And I thought the, I thought the, uh, the momentum and the pace of it coming out of, coming out of the Ramones and the, just the rest of the set, I, I thought it worked strangely. Uh, I think it's such a cool way to end the set. I, I'm to... su- I feel like we're both kind of surprising and contradicting ourselves a little bit here, but it was pretty good. I, yeah, I thought it was great. Um, and I think I've talked about some show that I went to that they closed the first encore with Corduroy, which See, was, I, that would be awesome. Out of left field. Yeah. And out was, of left field. Absolutely. It was great. You're, you're right. It was, it was awesome because, um, you know, you would think that after the first four or five songs that, okay, if they didn't play Corduroy, all right, well, all right, try again the next night. But then you get it in a second encore or something like that. And it's our first encore, like I was saying, or even in this spot where it's really late in the first set right. and you almost get a second wind because, you know, what you thought, you know, maybe would get passed up on the show uh, is now popping up in a spot where you were getting ready to get crazy anyway because obviously the last two or three songs of the first set are going to be hard hitting and and you know basically if not hit songs then uh fan favorites and that's obviously corduroy into rearview mirror you can't get more fan favorite than than those right um i think it was a good choice to end from corduroy to rearview like to go in from corduroy to rearview Absolutely. I agree. Um, I, I don't really have much on Rearview except for uh, the first verse sounded a little muffled and disoriented. In, in what song? In Rearview. Oh, a uh, little bit, a little bit. Uh, yeah, uh, but it started off well and uh, I, I didn't really have any notes for it. I thought it was just a good, strong performance. Yeah, the long version. That's it just... was long. Yes, that's yes. You're right. Very long. And when you're sitting here and you're covering and you're waiting for things to type and waiting for things to write. And, you know, we've had a lot of long versions of rearview mirror in the, in the short amount of time that we've done this show. Mm-hmm. I, you, you sort of, you can't take full notes cause you don't want to repeat yourself, but you also, you're sitting there and you're taking notes for two hours or whatever it is. And you kind of want to walk around and just take right. a little bit of a break. So that's, I end up doing that sometimes when I am taking my notes and that's not a slight against the song. That's just me trying to get ready for the next set of songs that are coming up. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, so that's our first set. 
that ends it. We get into the encore, and Ed asks the crowd if they are sweaty, and I think that's uh, they're gonna answer yes because it's very obvious how hot it is, and uh, it says there's still a little wine left in the bottle, so they go into it and they kick it off with last exit, and um, I, you know, it's 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 funny because I still am in this mindset of you know. First encore cooldown, and and that's not this at all. This is. I'm not sure. <laughs> this what? is super interesting. Uh, these these encores here, very not what we're used to. Right. But is it good? Does it work? Are you, or is it conflicting? Okay. Is it? Well, honestly, I think the only thing that that doesn't work is last exit. I don't think last exit works here. Last Exit into Better Man is kind of strange. Kind of strange. Last Exit opening it up is strange, too. I wasn't loving that. I, I, I thought the performance was really good, but... I think Better I Man could have opened this. I think Last Exit probably just could have been left off. Yeah. I don't know. It was weird. Weird here. I think, I think we have to get used to listening to more sets that have... Uh, these type of songs and aren't starting with, you know, around the bend into hard to imagine into parting ways kind of sets. Um, yeah, that, that just wasn't done here. Uh, but better man kind of is in the middle of all that where it's, you know, cool down ish, but it's sing along ish. So, you know, I would have, I would have taken like a better man, elderly woman kind of combo here. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know if I would have opened it up with better man though. I like better man later. Okay. I'm very picky about better man. I know you are <laughs> very <I know>. picky. <laughs> um, I'm a little less picky, but you know, it is a little weird after last exit just because it's not they're they're two totally different sides of the spectrum last exit is, is you know what one of the first four songs yeah. that almost never gets it's not last exit can't be corduroy let's put right. it that way right and, you know corduroy is a very special live song last exit's basically a punk song and it can't, it doesn't have that same versatility that Corduroy does. So you put it in this spot, you got to be confident that you can follow up with it. And sure, I agree. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I didn't put too much thought in it to, to begin with, and I was just kind of seeing the set for what it was. But right. now that we're in this conversation, I guess I, I'm not really into the aspect of last exit into better man. Yeah. I don't like it, but you know what I do really like is, uh, I thought the better man into down transition was awesome. I thought it sounded so good. And that's, that's something that I was hesitant about when I looked at the set, because you're following up a big hit song with a B side. But not only is it a B-side, but it's a it's the, there's no lost dogs. The, the, at this al- time. the album that you're promoting, it's a B-side off that album, which is right. pretty cool to do because Down has no place on Riot Act at all. 
but you know, I sadly, love, so, yeah, you know, I love down, and I think it's really cool to to do a song that got cut in your promotion tour. I, I love we play, that. Why don't we play it? I don't have a lot of songs to play during the encores, but I think I did want to play down. So why don't why don't we play a little bit of it? And if you want to play the transition, since you like that, and get into that. Alrighty. here uh and the funny thing is it's it's like the audience you you don't think in hindsight that you know it's been played 19 times and maybe there's some boots that are flying around and maybe because it's a new song people are like more apt to go and seek it um you know if if you're listening in and you're you were born uh after 2000 or you know early you know, late nineties, uh, you probably have no idea what Kazaa is. <laughs> um, I bet you Kaza, <laughs> Kaza, Kazaa, whatever. There was another the LimeWire. Oh yeah. Na- Napster was obviously the one that, that started it all, but, um, maybe Pearl Jam fans at this time are hearing about this and heard that down was off of the, I believe it was I am mine. It was the I am mine B side. It yeah. was I am mine. Okay. Uh, and maybe they, cause nobody wants to buy singles. Uh, maybe they go out and they try to download down and, and, you know, cause it's a, a new song and they're just craving, they want the whole discography and everything in their repertoire. So they find down and, um, and they know it when they go to the shows and it feels like the audience knows it. That's what I'm trying to get to here. I agree. I thought the, I thought the crowd reacted to this like they had been playing this song for 10 years uh which surprised me and i i had to make sure i was like no i know down was supposed to be on riot act i'm i'm, I'm positive of it but i still had to look it up just in case because i thought the crowd reacted to it better than they reacted to, to some of the other songs so yeah that was really nice to see i don't you know unless they had been seeing it if people are are following them or, or like you said with the bootlegs or who knows maybe people were getting uh you know, the uh, di- di- digital downloads of I and Mine, and it was coming with Down. I I, I don't Possibly. know, but uh, I thought it was great. 
Good to see yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Happy Pleasure. to have it. Pleasure to have in class. <laughs> Pleasure to have in class. That goes into black, um, which is it, it, it's it's the Oof. weave of like high energy uh, sing along, high energy uh, sing along slash emotional, um, and I would rather things be instead of the weave, I'd rather things be in bundles for encores. Uh, I I could yeah I I agree to with that. Uh, for the most part, just just because it, it works, it works in the regular set so well that they can you know bundle and and weaving in the regular in in the first set would be very jarring, and they they you know can only get away with it in an encore because it's so compact and it, it's only five to six songs, sure. and you're just trying to get everything in. But um, man, uh, I I think. I don't. I care a little less about the transition from down into black, and I care more about the transition from black into blood. And I don't think that they were ready for that. Okay, so who, the crowd or the band? More the band. Because did you think blood was a little slow? Yeah, a little. Yeah, I hundred percent thought that. Right now, I think black. Black was was the major problem I had with this set, and uh, performance wise or just placement wise, everything. So I'm not really sure what was going on here, but uh, Stone does the, he's got like a, an acoustic for the intro, and he's playing it throughout the whole song, but it sounds horrible. It's well, that's like, the, that's the banjoy sound that he has. Oh, he, he dude, sometimes. But, pl- he right. sometimes sometimes plays black and with that acoustic and it has that like plucky banjo-y sound. So right. So sometimes it's it's okay. But this is where you're gonna know exactly what I'm talking about. Where he's like doing the intro, but it sounds like he's really individually plucking each individual string. I yeah, I know exactly and what you're saying. This 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 one sounded horrible. I I, I and it goes through the whole song, and it was just very, very difficult to listen to it. Yeah. Look, I I think that in some spots where they do, where Stone has this, uh, uh, you know, plays with this guitar, it sounds okay. But it, I, I don't know what came to mind, but I thought that this sounded kind of like, I don't know, uh, sort of, you know, the sun rising on a farm uh, and you're about to start the day. That's like the kind of, you know, yeah. riff that <laughs> you would start the day. Let's go out and feed the chickens. I was getting like a deliverance. Uh, <laughs> well, vibe. that's not too far off. For, yeah. So, oh well, yeah. You know, the guys except they have guns, except they have guns and they, they uh, rape people. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it, you know, and it's not always bad when he has this kind of sound on it, but this one, this one was wasn't good. I, I didn't really like it. And did that take you out of Mike? Whatever Mike was doing, because I thought one. Uh, yeah, and Mike comes in at the end, and he's he's really showing some some real passion. And I couldn't care because wow. it, I, I was so taken out from the very literally the very beginning, the intro. Uh, it, it was all I could hear. <laughs> 
All I see, all that. <laughs> <Never> <laughs> right. Perfect, perfect, perfect uh, quote right there. Fade into black. Fade into black. <laughs> I, I look. That was you a know, good aside, setup right there. That was good. Aside from the the banjoy sound, I, I thought it was I thought it was good. It was it was slower. It was a slower version. Um, you know, this is this is one of the few. You know, Better Man and Daughter and a couple and Even Flow, a couple of those others we hear all the time, and we're kind of like, all right, well, that was a good version, or that was a little off, or whatever. But I always feel like almost every version of Black is is a little different. It has. A different pace to it it has a different uh emotion to it and I, I i like talking about this this talking about black never gets old let's put it that way i agree yes yeah it's not like even flow or or better man you know you get good versions but black you're there's going to be something there that you say oh okay well this is what i like about it more than the other one or this is what i hate about it and unfortunately for me this time it was it was not the best for me but at least it was something to talk about with a song right. that we cover a lot yeah so right. I, I i agree yeah yeah it's better than just saying well daughter's tags today were you know and it's not really exactly really exactly right right much right. there to go off of so yep. um all right and it says that here's another for you to sing along to and it's blood and we had mentioned that the pace is is definitely slower for blood and it's just i would not put these back to back i just wouldn't you're transitioning from your most emotional song to your angriest song i get it to close the encore but it it doesn't work that well since i don't like last exit first i would say throw last exit between them but that doesn't work either that even would have been that, weird yeah I, I think that might have even been worse to be honest um, I, I know they weren't playing it much at the time but why go could have been good in between could that. have begin or, or or if we're working with what we have maybe last exit better man black down blood that might have been a bit better possibly but this was strange and i feel like the song lagged because of it yeah i i definitely agree um you do get a bow wow wow you be a you you be a you certainly do. I mean, he's done it before, but you know. All right. So Blood takes us into Encore number Dose, and Ed rambles a real lot. I did not verbatim type every word that he said during this. I know I usually try but uh he talks about fuck being a verb and an adjective which we had talked about before on this podcast he, he's done that whole using fuck is all different type as a pronoun and everything like that and he uh and he changes up and he says thanks for people going out and buying the record and says the bottle of wine is almost empty which means she has to get a new one and then he talks about politics a little bit and talks about fighting for freedom but she also says this next song has nothing to do with either of those things, but he likes it anyway, and I like it too. It's a cover, and we're going to play it. So here's You've Got to Hide Your Love Away. Here I stand, here I turn my face to the wall. If she's gone, I can't go on Feeling too far, smile Everywhere people stand 
preset thing so i you know it's it's different that it does happen i think that it's it's welcomed here i think it's fine i think it sounds yeah yeah i just think that this i know you're very critical about it well i think this encore one and encore two is completely ass backwards and i think it's very strange mostly because you come out for this encore two and you're about to do you know this beatles song which is it's one of my i love this song it's one of my favorite uh beatles songs and thought it was a pretty good performance and the crowd loved it. Um, it. But again, I was taken out of this because I have never wanted him to shut up more than I've wanted him to shut up before <laughs> this since we've started this podcast. He was, it was absolute nonsense. And for you to come out and to talk that much about nonsense in your, in your nonsense. second encore is to me unforgivable. And I, it, I, I was almost sh- I was almost furious because I was loving the show and I'm like, dude, this is the wrong time, wrong time, and it's such an uneven encore too, uh, compared to this really weird and 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 uh, over the top encore one. I'm just like, enough, man, enough. Yeah, um, it. <sighs> It takes away a little bit. I think once you get into the song, you forget about it, but um, it's not. He definitely goes off on a tangent. He should have. He shouldn't have finished that bottle of wine. He should have just let it go. I think. <laughs> I, I think the heat was getting to him a little bit. I mean, whenever you play Last Kiss, you're usually not in the right frame of mind anyway. So yeah. Um. Oh, I, I guess we have to talk about that. Do we have to talk about Last Kiss? I mean, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> it's so weird. This is so weird. Um, how's it? How's it weird? Just as an encore too. I feel like this Eddie solo into Last Kiss is. Uh, I feel like I, I it's feel like just it's been done. It, it has been done, but it's, it's not my favorite thing. No, but. no. You know, it was really weird. Uh, it's not it, and and it's probably not even what they were going for or attempting, but. Uh, right before Last Kiss starts, it sounds like Mike is just noodling, but it sounds like the beginning of like I think it was another brick in the wall. He's doing like these dan, 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 and it was like the the, hmm. the tone and just the perfect uh, uh, rhythm of these guitar plucks he was doing. Probably wasn't intentional, but if it was accidental, it was pretty cool because that's what it sounded like. And, I didn't notice that. And yeah, it's really super quick. I mean, real quick. You you you'll miss it if you're not really listening. And, okay. uh, but I rewound it because like I said, I, I didn't look at the set list before I listened to the show and I'm like, no way they could do like Pink Floyd. I, I, that, this is weird. This is, this definitely is a strange encore right here. Uh, but that's not what they did. I think it was just him noodling and it was just me over listening to it basically. But it, it, yeah, it, it was, a, it tends to happen. Yeah, they, yeah. He'll, he'll noodle. He'll get into it. 
Well, the, I, my only note on Last Kiss is that they didn't start with the drum beat into the lyrics. They played like a verse yeah. of it yeah. into the lyrics, which is different. But yeah, they like played through it a little. Yeah, I didn't. It's just not going to salvage the song. I, I, and I don't know what it is. I, I let's let's play a little therapy session here because both you and I don't like this song. We're sick of it. It's there's no point. Did you like it when it came out? Okay, that's fair enough because I no, I did not. So okay, so I guess I didn't I, either. I guess that's that's a good point. <laughs> but I hate to how that how because the one thing that. I remember, I remember being some, I I think it was uh, like staying at a friend's house and I was playing guitar and I was really, really early on playing guitar. I didn't really know what I was doing. And somebody came up to me and I was playing something and they were like, oh, what are you playing? I'm like, I don't don't, don't know. I was just fucking around. And they said, oh, it kind of sounds like Last Kiss. And I'm like, oh God, no, I don't want to play that. No, 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 no. And, or then it came to like some kind of conversation where they didn't know who Pearl Jam was, but they knew last kiss. So I've always sort of associated that song with people that don't know who Pearl Jam are. And it's made, it's made the songs songs appreciation worse. Uh, A lot of people feel a lot of different ways about the song. And, um, you know, just, just remember it, you know, put a, it, it donated a lot of money to Kosovo. It made a lot of money. Sure. So yeah. oh, it, it did uh, something yeah. good. It's funny because the song has done quite well for the band and, and the band has done good things with the song. I guess, I guess like it's been a, it's been a while since it's made any kind of charitable uh, contributions. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> I, think that, I think that's why I, I think I'm just, I think I just don't want to hear it anymore. The, the problem I think a lot of people have, especially radio stations, uh, are that they'll play anything from 91 to 94 Pearl Jam, and then the only thing they'll play post-94 is Last Kiss. And I'm sitting there saying, you have like two or three singles from Yield. Uh, I get that you're not playing anything off No Code. Uh, I get that you're not playing anything off Binaural, but... Man, Avocado had popular singles on it. Right uh-huh. Act had popular singles on it. I don't understand how radios are still radio stations today are still fixated on only playing Better Man, Daughter, Alive, Even Flow, Jeremy, and Last Kiss, and Led Better from time to time. From time to time, it's it's rare, but you'll hear it. I've heard, I've heard Corduroy on the radio. Yeah, interesting. I've heard Dissonant on the radio too. Yeah. Uh, all right, we got two left, so let's let's. Breeze through them. Uh, Baba uh, has a lot of good fan participation here, Mr. O'Reilly. Uh, and everybody on the stage has energy. And I've noticed that Stone is wearing sambas. And those are my favorite pair of shoes of all time. <laughs> he's, got his, uh, he's got his shorts on. Uh, yep, the cargo shorts. Uh, so you know what I loved about Baba, which was great because it's something that is so relatable with with people that play and if you've ever been on stage and you stop for some kind of crowd participation, especially some sort of hand clap, they always go off time and it will totally throw you off. So yep. if you listen to the, you know, the uh, don't cry part 
uh, where Eddie lets the crowd take it, uh, Matt keeps his stick clicks going. And and not only that, but you see Stone behind Eddie run up to the front of the stage and he's pointing at them with the cues when to say the words. And he's got like this face on him, like really, uh, you know, yelling to the crowd, like, stay on time, stay on time. Wow. Conductor. Exactly. And I, but he's so animated with it because you got to count those in. Come on, take my hand. You know, you need that to hit. And if you're letting the crowd sing and that's all you hear, you're fucked if they go off time. <laughs> so, 100% right. uh, yeah, it was a funny part. I, I suggest uh, anyone who is curious to go watch that part during Baba because it's really funny. Um, then uh, at the end here, Ed puts on a, uh, a George Bush mask and starts banging on tambourines and then Mike kisses the mask. And then he threw Oh, someone. I'd love to know who got that mask. Because if you notice, he threw it. He a threw listener, it. Into, hopefully, he listened. Yeah, he threw it into the crowd. So if you got that mask, t- put it on and take a picture of it. And, uh, send Seriously, it to yeah, that's uh, that's worth a couple of uh, presidents right there. Um, all right, we're we're on the last song. It's uh, it's Y Led, and we we talked a lot about it last week, and I wanted to kind of save it for this week, but then I ended up talking about everything that I wanted to talk about it last week, but. Ed is really hammering home the whole bring the soldiers home, uh, you know, kind of stop the war kind of discussion here. And he hammers on the line. Don't know if if he's coming home in a box or a bag part. Right. Um, And I've always thought that the lyrics were meant to reflect that more than I don't know whether I'm a boxer or a bag because it doesn't really fit in with the tone of the song, but, um, you know, everybody has a different interpretation of what the lyrics are in this song. And, uh, everybody has a different interpretation of what they, what they mean and everything like that. But, um, I think Ed's interpretation here, uh, is known it's, and he's, you know, he's outright showing it. So that's, I don't really have anything else on it though. I think it ends in a in a good way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's I like the bobble lead better, especially for an outdoor venue. It's mm-hmm. uh again, you know, lead better's not my favorite ender. It's um kind of over it, but it's an atmosphere thing. Uh, and I thought it sounded great. I thought both of them sounded great. Yeah, I agree. And you know, you get a different kind of atmosphere when you're outside and tweeter center over in Camden, uh I don't know if it's still called Tweeter Center, I highly doubt it. But it looks like it's the BB and T pavilion now. I don't know what that means. It's some stupid bank. I'm sure banks own everything. Forget metropolitan field, right? We get city. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And yeah, of course the, the football stadium is called MetLife. MetLife. Make, make more sense. If it would be called MetLife uh, fields at, uh, for the Mets and, and JetBlue <laughs> Stadium for the Giants and Jets. Would that make sense? No. Let's not no, do that doesn't make sense. Let's just at take all. people's let's just take people's money. That's what this is about, right? <laughs> all right. Uh what do you got? Rate it. All right. So um I thought this was gonna be easier to rate. I really did. Little things where where things were a little boring, but nothing was performed poorly, I thought, except for I didn't really care for black or 
uh, given a fly, I thought it was a little little flat. But I, I really, really badly want to give this an eight. But I think I got to go seven point five because it it did have some quirks, but it it wasn't a bad show. So I feel like eight is a little too high, especially since I I really try to only give it a nine. But I think seven is too low, so I'm going to go seven and a half. Okay. I when I was listening to this, uh, I mean, I've told this story about a million times. How I just I go into YouTube and I pick whatever uh, full sets that I, that I see on YouTube if I have a long car ride and I'll listen to it the whole way. Cause it's a pain in the ass to get MP3s on your, on your phone or on your, yeah. on a whatever. So it's just, you know, gotta, gotta, gotta make do with what I have. Uh, and I thought that while listening into the car, I'm like, uh, oh, this is, this is an easy nine. Um, then I got to listening to it, uh, last couple of days and you know, I, you get the, I guess you get the, the calm after the storm uh, and you sort of step back a little bit and you can be a little uh, critical. And, and what went from an, what I thought was an easy nine is actually an easy eight. Uh, and I'm going to give it an eight and I think it deserves that. Um, I think it's fun. I think uh, there were some unpredictable spots, which is that's the part in sets that I really do love the most. Encore one was a little, I don't know, it was a little disoriented. Uh, Encore two wasn't really my cup of tea uh with last kiss i suppose um but then you know the rocking into free world makes this set people every single person that i asked about this show brought up rocking into free world it's definitely cool and different i mean if if i had to give this you say easy eight if i had to give this like a like a hard eight i guess you'd say like a uh (laughs) a uh it it has to work for its eight then yeah I, i could do that but Seven and a half. I don't really have to think about. It's, I think yeah. Uh, I think that's fair. You know that that's kind of. I I guess the rocking in the free world part is why I would have given it a nine in the first place. And then you know you kind of it normalizes after a while, and you kind of say, uh, okay, well, maybe this uh, is not quite a nine show, and I and it doesn't mean it's not a great a great show. I, I think it was a very good show. <laughs> Uh, it's just, it's not a nine, it's an eight and that's totally fine. You could be an eight and you could be very well respected person in your community. Uh, uh, yeah, I think it's a very good show. So, um, all right. I got, I got one story. I didn't really get a lot of stories from this one. I, I get, you get a lot of chatter, right, um, right. which is, is good. I love whatever discussions get brought up. Um, but I think a lot of times people, in these forums, they bring up one point and then somebody uh, tags that on with another point that's not that's that's really taking away from the conversation that I'm trying to pose out there, uh, which is fine. Honestly, you know, talk talk amongst yourselves, whatever you want to talk about. But then you sort of lose that like, hey, I'm looking for stories. Can this be about stories forum? And then it's not. So people kind of stray from what i'm trying to make uh the forums about but look that as long as as long as it it keeps people engaged i'm happy uh so that's why i'm going to use this story from jerl pam (laughs) get it jerl pam says love this show as being from philly and having the hate for the e-center or whatever we want to call it now i'm not sure 
what the East, oh, maybe, maybe the East Center was the name of that venue before. I, I have no idea. Um, the best part about the venue was a good old solid Pearl Jam tailgate in the parking lot on the weekend of the 4th of July. The, this show was right in the middle of part two of our two mini tours in 2003 for myself and some buddies. We went down to D.C., down on the show for, for shore for the 4th, and then home to Philly for the Camden shows. I slept in my car, then up to MSG, then back down to the shore, and then up to Homdal for Hunger Strike and some Jersey Neanderthal was so drunk during Corduroy that he was pissing on the lawn, which inevitably ricocheted off my leg. Lovely. That's not good. Um, This is my favorite show that stretched due to its hometown ties, 4th of July weekend. It was fucking hot out. Drank in the sun far too much and made a connection for the day with a Pearl Jam girl from Trenton who ended up having 10 club seats right behind me. The humidity led to a late afternoon shower that was perfectly timed to drench us all. The sun going down behind Philly skyline was perfect, and then the show started. Nonstop energy, though you can tell they were taking a hit from the heat, which obviously uh, was talked about, but... The summer of uh, 2003 was definitely a, a good a good one for the band. So yep. that's that's what you gather out of that. And a lot of people, a lot of people mentioned the heat, and they mentioned, uh, um, you know, whenever you bring up like this is what I was saying. Like people were kind of bringing up the fact that oh it was a good Philly show, and then people were like oh well this Philly show was better, and then they get kind of off topic. But a lot of people. After this, we're talking about other Philly shows. So, um, you know, we'll we'll get to other Philly shows. I think we'll 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 hit. We've hit Philly pretty well. We've we've now done two Philly shows. Yeah, technic kind of technically, kind of so, technically. Um, you know, we we're we're doing it justice. We'll we'll get to we'll get to more Philly as we go along. It's you know, it's kind of impossible not to. So, yep, you know. Uh, all right. Let's uh, let's run a public service announcement. Live on Four Legs is happy to present a weekly podcast dedicated to the Pearl Jam live experience. While we try to get ourselves to as many shows as possible, we have only attended a small fraction compared to the entire live history. That's why we need your help. We want to get to know who you are. If there's a live show that you've attended that you'd like to see us cover in our program, please send us an email at liveonfourlegs, that's the number four, liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com. We want to know your entire live experience. Did you once miss a flight? Get lucky in the 10 Club Lottery? Catch a white whale? Your stories will help us mold this into the best podcast it could possibly be. You're already getting to know who we are. Now it's time for us to know... Who you are. To reiterate what was just said there, please, please help us out. Make suggestions. Always open for people bringing in new new ideas to the table and just uh, keeping the discussion open. And then we like to see what, what you're into and what you want to hear from us. And, uh, you know, and hopefully we can, uh, we can bring it back for you and and uh do it justice that's the goal yeah so we want to listen to what you listen to 
Exactly. Yeah. Right. That's that's how that's kind of how uh, music happens. You you know, if somebody else listens to something, and or somebody provides you with something, you just don't type in band rock and roll band on YouTube and find something. Uh, you know, either you found it through a friend, you found it through MTV or some other the radio, some other. Uh, and I say MTV as being, you know, 90s MTV and not now MTV. Uh, but you get it through through somebody or through something, and you don't dis- quite discover it on your own. I know this is a different situation where we know the band and we kind of, you know, can look up set lists and, you know, listen to Boots whenever we want and wherever we want. But, like, we need shows like Grand Rapids that are, are going to surprise the hell out of us. Uh, I don't even know. But yeah, I don't, I don't know how to phrase it. That was a, a nice surprise, a happy surprise. Yeah, that's you know, if every if every show could be like that, we're we're gonna hit home runs every time. But you know, we're not every show. Not every show could be that. Uh, there, it's not like we're gonna do massive stinkers. But um, you know, we're gonna we're gonna do all different ones. Or you know, we got some lined up for the future that I think everybody's going to be excited about, including next week. So, um, one of the things, uh, I would, I would love to suggest right now that I've, I've never mentioned on the show before is that if you're listening to this on Apple podcast, please, uh, feel free. If you're enjoying what you're listening to, feel free to, uh, give us a star rating. We could use some star ratings on there. It will bring more, uh, attention to, to our show. Just leave a little comment and, you know, let us know what you think. Uh, if you don't want to do that, email us and, you know, I, I like the interpersonal communication as well. But that's that's one of the things, too. We'd love to get people uh, finding us on Apple Podcasts that aren't necessarily finding us through Pearl Jam boards and things like that. And that definitely helps to get a good star rating through, through that. Uh, so, you know. If you have the time and would like to help us out, that's a, that's one way to help us out. Patreon's all, obviously always another way. You know, uh, if there's something that you want to hear that you want to cover with us, you know, go on to Patreon, donate whatever you can to our Patreon account, and we uh, will provide you with exclusive content. And you know, come and be kind of a third, you know, a fifth and sixth leg on the show. That's uh, we. As we said early in the show, we love our guests, so um, we want to get more, and we want to get more opinions, so we're very eager and excited to do that. Um, I think next week is going to be a Patreon episode. I just have to double-check. I just have to double-check, but okay. uh, I won't say any, any announce any names as of right now. I just want to make case. sure. Yeah, just in <laughs> case, because uh, if, if we can't do it with him, we'll do another show with him. Uh, I'm sure that there are many, but, uh, definitely we are going to Canada next week. It's our first, it's our first stop up North for some poutine. I can go for some, I can always go for some poutine. Some poutine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and we're going to do Ottawa 2005. So the last, these three, this three week stretch here, you know, from this week, last week and next week, is kind of in the same era a little bit. It's, uh, you know, 2003 through 2006. We're, we're, you know, now we can kind of get, you know, in between 
Riot Act at Avocado, kind of what they were doing and, and where they were going forward. And it's honestly, it's also after Lost Dogs, too, which is an important facet to this show. So sure. um, that should be that should be fun. That should be fun to cover. Anything else you would like to say before we go? Do you uh, like like a quiet place at home? A quiet night at home. Uh, <laughs> quiet night oh, at home. Well, thank you for the plug. Uh, <laughs> my my original band, The Qualia, just put out a new single. It's called A Quiet Night at Home, and you could listen to it anywhere you stream us, I guess it's available on, right? Apple, uh, Spotify, Amazon, yada, yada, yada. That's, that's the name of the game. That's the name of the game. Yep. So, Yeah. A good mix of the qualia and live on four legs, and uh, you've had enough of Matt for your lifetime. <laughs> I could, I could be in your pocket. Both of us could be in your pocket for the rest, for the rest of your life, if you want us to be. How, how I, how I pity thee for having me in their pocket. That's, <laughs> that's a disaster waiting to happen. Oh, I don't think it's uh, that bad. <laughs> well, I've never been in your pocket. I sub- I subscribe. Yeah, you're in my Have pocket I? too. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> I, 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 everybody's in everybody's pocket. Yeah. As long as as long as you keep, you know, don't steal any money from people's pockets, then you're good. Be cool. Just be cool. Just be cool. All right. It's the end of the show. I got nothing more to say. You got nothing more to say. Except we'll be back next week. Until then, this is the end. We're here, but not for much longer. And I'll miss you already. And I miss you always. For Live on Four Legs, this is Matt and Randy, and we will see you next time. Bye.